Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, this is Greg Prado, author of the books Take It Off, Kiss Truly Unmasked, as well as The Eric Carr Story, amongst many others. You're listening to the Shattered Out Loudcast with Tom and Zeus. Rock and roll! Greetings and salutations. Welcome to the Shout It Out Loudcast. Don't turn your radio dial. You're in the right place because it's time for another bonus episode. Episode 8. And we are calling this one, We Played Roulette, Felt a Burn in Love. She doesn't even know my name and she'll never come back, back, back. <laughs> Zeus, Tom, how are you? <laughs> oh, I'm great, buddy. What a, what an intro. And, uh, and we want to thank our buddy Tony for the musical intro there to our Boo. bonus episodes. Boo. Uh, that, so we that, do this every time. Yeah. I got to jump in here. No, go ahead. Every time after the episode tape finishes recording, we go, fuck, we forgot to thank Tony. And then, you know, now, right before we started recording, I said, hey, hey, we got to thank Tony for that hot intro, right? And what does Sonny say, Tom? Fuck him. We're not doing that. (laughs) (laughs) But we did it anyways because we love Tony. And we know that Sonny kind of loves Tony. (laughs) Yeah. And and they used to have a relationship of some sort. Oh, guys. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I don't know who broke up with who, but and that is Tony from Restrained, the band Restrained, who's got a uh, their new album's coming out, Chinese Democracy, right? Whatever it's coming out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've been giving him a hard time. It's going to take forever. It's only four years. It just feels like forever because I think they've recorded it twice now. But uh, yeah, it's coming out soon. Nice. Look for that. Look for that. Cool. Uh, I'm go. I'm well. It's uh, it's been a while since we've done this. We've had a lot of people going, "What the fuck? Where are these bonus episodes?" So, yeah, I'll, I'm going to tell you. Going from the ambassador to me is like going from Kobe beef to spam. <laughs> I guess they both have their place in life. So thank you. I'm going to try not to even come close to the ambassador. He was beyond me. I'm just going to be me. Well, some, you know, even some, it's okay, Sonny, even the little people matter when it comes to shout it out <laughs> loudcast. Okay. Even, even the minions matter, but no, you're right. It's been a while since the bonus episode. And by the way, did we even really specifically say the name of the album? Sonny had his little, his little, uh, you know, little one-liners there. Did we even say that we're doing Bon Jovi's debut album from 1984? 
Why? Because I didn't say run away or she don't know me. You don't know it's Bon Jovi's album. I do, but you know, just just letting letting everybody know. And the thing they clicked that says Bon Jovi bonus <laughs> episode that didn't give it away. I say that all the time too with with Zeus and I when, when we're always worried about. We always talk about doing like an intro, and I'm like, you realize that when they click on their podcast, it says episode whatever you know ambassador scott brown or whatever what are they talking about today are they talking about magellan and uh his exploration in the in the east indies no you know what we should do to make it more interesting from now on in the bonus episodes just put bonus episode eight and leave the description and the title empty make people click on it to see what it is and then people are like what the fuck bon jovi (laughs) that (laughs) <laughs> or uh iron maiden oh pew you know. <laughs> oh ah, dungeons and dragons rock oh man no it's dinosaur it's jurassic rock remember <laughs> but we did get some um some feedback on our last episode we did iron maiden's peace of mind and uh i think we had a, cu- a couple people that were kind of uh, a little annoyed that we were calling it dungeons and dragons rock like they need to all settle down, Tom. Well, it was funny because they're arguing. Okay, may- maybe Iron Maiden specifically doesn't talk about Dungeons and Dragons, you know, like <laughs> like like Dio. But the point is, they're talking about stuff that, like like we said, there's a reason. There's wizards much, and sorcery and, and there's, elves. There's, and- there's a reason why there's pretty much all guys at an Iron Maiden concert, just like there's all guys at a Rush concert. They're not picking up chicks listening to. <laughs> Fucking quest for fire, okay? <laughs> there was women there. I brought one. Oh, oh yeah. I think. Yeah. Paid escorts don't count, Sonny, okay? <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and then even she's like, the money ain't worth this shit. I'm out of here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> she stood up like fucking ogre in Revenge of the Nerds. Nerds! 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 Oh God! She came. Right. She 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 came to the show in one of those inflatable T Rex costumes. <laughs> jumped on the stage. Oh man! All right. What did we do in our? What, what, how? What did the poll go for? As far as last bonus episode, peace of mind. How did that polling go? Yeah, this this was probably one of the more predictable bonus episode polls because whenever we do a bonus episode, we always give four choices for best song. Um, obviously, the trooper ran away with it with 53%. Uh, Flight of Icarus was right behind that. And then Where Eagles Dare was another option. And then what the fuck, people? Sun and Steel? 4%? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I get people it. I don't know the song. That's yeah, no, I know. I know. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. It, it, nothing. I, I can't believe the trooper only got 53%. I thought it would get like 80%. But Where Eagles Dare and Flight of Icarus are obviously hits off that album that people like. So. So that was the poll result for that bonus episode. All right. See you later. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> it was nice knowing you. And that's a wrap. No, nothing, uh, to, nothing to say about Bon Jovi. Have a good night. <laughs> <laughs> so we also got some feedback. Um, do you want to start, Tom, with Facebook? Yeah. So uh, we, we love to see what you guys think about these these bonus episodes. So. Michael Ventura says best Maiden album ever, easily one of the greatest metal albums ever. Tony Smith, great episode, made me re-examine this album. 
Our buddy Kevin Jebson, great episode. Can't argue much here. I would have ranked where Eagles dare higher. Fuck that Sonny Pooney guy. Hey, Sonny Pooney, <laughs> what a piece of shit that guy is. <laughs> nice. <laughs> is that Jebson? That's Jebson. Oh. Yep. Uh, Brian Harris, favorite Maiden album and song, Flight of Icarus. Uh, Rick Rare, can't go wrong with Maiden. Daniel Peoples literally wrote like a, a, a hit parader article about our episode here. <laughs> um, I'll kind of sum it up a little bit. He said, this is a really good one. I'm not a diehard Maiden fan, but I do get all their albums and I like the majority of what they've done. Peace of mind was never in my collection until the last 10 to 15 years. And even afterwards, it wasn't in my rotation. So it's not a bad, uh, bad album. Um, the bad parts are easy to deal with. Like you said, that pre-chorus to with die with your boots on is ridiculous. Quest for fire. Silly, silly, silly. Maybe the closest Iron Maiden has ever gotten to just a boy by kiss. <laughs> um, I assume you guys are anywhere from six to 10 years older than myself. This album would have had a bit more history with you. I was thinking this would be a pyromania slided in all time favorite sort of thing, but it was cool to hear fresh reactions to the album. What does he say? I'm glad Zeus let us in that he majored in history. I was wondered as I was listening, if he did all this research just for the episode, <laughs> cool to hear stuff like that. Come out. Uh, I thought see. you weren't reading the whole thing. Like now you're in the whole thing. <laughs> I'm reading, well, I'm, I'm reading Facebook right now. <laughs> I thought you were still on one article. No, I am. This is still this is still Daniel Peoples. This is all his thing, and I'm summarizing it. Um, the episode was a really cool, funny, and entertaining episode to listen. I love the regular shows. Uh, these do offer a bit of spontaneity as far as opinions go. What else have we got? Scott Donaldson. Um, I got a long drive home. Can't wait to listen to this episode. Uh, Manuel Martinez Rios, Amen Brothers. So that's some feedback from uh, Facebook regarding peace of mind. What else we got? Twitter, emails, all that good stuff. I'll do. I'll do some Twitter stuff for us. It was nice that Deuce wasn't drunk tweeting, but he still managed to throw out about five hundred tweets about this episode. <laughs> um, the thing that he uh, makes a big, you know, about was the uh, cover. Uh, mm -hmm. Maiden was smart and continued to put Eddie on the covers. And he thought that any band with this as a cover has to kick ass. And the image of Eddie was so mesmerized, you couldn't stop looking at it. And he, then he joked with us about galloping. How many times am I going to hear that word? It's true. I know. I noticed that, too, when I was listening to the episode. But it, but it fits that. It fits Iron Maiden. It fits that album specifically, too. But you're right. Yeah. And he always does this. And so did Steve afterwards. Uh, Deuce always lists the tracks, too. We love when you guys do that. Yeah. So after we put a bonus episode up, please list the tracks in order that you like them. Steve Warsap also put the list of the albums that we reviewed in order. His review had Slided In, number one, Pyromania, two, Peace of Mind, three, Appetite, four, OU8125, Load, six, and Super Unknown, seven. Big fan of the grunge era, I see. Wow. Appetite, number four. Yikes. Yeah. That's, wow. Wow. Yeah, Twisted Kister put a photo of, of Dave Chappelle as Prince. Says, <laughs> Anyone else picture this when Bruce starts singing Still Life, or is it just me? Wow, Prince. Huh, I'll, have yeah. to I'll have to re-listen to that song to think about that one. Nah, it's the it's the Chappelle gift. No, no, right, right. Him doing the Prince thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, Graham Richley uh, hadn't listened to this album for over 20 years. It reminded me how uneven it is. The first five songs are great. The last four, not so <laughs> Like Tom, 
I LOL at Quest of Fire, the most spinal tap of all lyrics. <laughs> Favorites of mine are Where Eagles Dare and Revelations. Good job, guys. Sean DeHaan must have been like, this must be his favorite album of all. Oh, yeah. He had a lot he, to say. He had a lot. He obviously gives us uh, the top, his top nine, the ranking of the songs, which is excellent. But he does give us this part. I like to, I want to bring this part up. He said, guitars, as an aside, Adrian Smith usually plays the more melodic and thought out solos. Dave Murray's a bit more of the shredder, for lack of a better word, who often solos with a way pedal. Interesting stuff. And then he also put for FYI, Bruce has been waving the British flag during live performances of the Trooper for years. Steve also uh, wars up at, Later on, gives us the episode breakdown, top nine songs, rank, JR, love this album. Stanley Lives For You. This album review was absolutely amazing. Love you three guys. So funny. Todd Herrig, now we're talking. Up the Irons. Uh, Save Rock and Metal. Power Slave is better. But can you tell by the picture I love Lobotomy Eddie? You had all the right number one. Sun and Steel is a hidden gem. Yes. Um, uh, Sonny Pooney. Oh, I mean, I'm sorry. Horny women love rock. Uh, <laughs> my my absolute favorite Iron Maiden album. Quest of Fire rules. Who the I'm fuck wrote really? that? that did, there's no way that's real. <laughs> what the hell is wrong with you guys? LOL. I guess I never realized how musical theater Bruce really is. Oh, yeah. um, best five in a row opening tracks on a metal album. That was by Daryl Alber. And I responded appropriately by saying that he's wrong, and I screenshotted the opening five from Master of Puppets. <laughs> yeah, no. Best five in a row. Da- I mean, I love Daryl. Daryl does all the our social media posts and things like that from the Pantheon uh, podcast network, and he runs all their social media stuff. He does a great job, and we love Daryl. So thank you, Daryl. David King, favorite Maiden album. And Nige Savage, this is going to be an epic episode. And then he put in quotes, in a time when dinosaurs <laughs> walked the earth. <laughs> Love it. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, um, that's Twitter. Sonny, what do you got? All right. So a couple of reviews here. One is from Mark Stewart. I'm taken back that you guys don't like the tame a land. I love this song. I guess this must be from YouTube, baby. Oh, God. Uh, As a matter of fact, on my Maiden playlist, this is my first song. No, that's... (laughs) Thank God he didn't say his number one song. There's no way Uh, that can be true. (laughs) I love it that Maiden does epic-sounding songs. Also, the book came out first, song second, movie theater. Uh, All three suck. Uh, That's me saying that. Uh, Mac and Maddie sent an email. Was going to send this out. I guess that's supposed to be the last, but he forgot the S night but i passed out oh maybe that's right <laughs> yes. uh anyway fucking dinosaurs right i'm with tom calm down bruce it ain't it's rock and roll not ancient history 303 <laughs> gotta admit that sonny's rankings were dead on okay i love eddie i'll be thinking about him last i'll be thinking about him tonight as i'm using my newly purchased adam and eve toy thank god he's talking about eddie and not oh, jesus christ <laughs> <Lord>. <laughs> 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 Pod Chaser Vaults Vaults or Us says one of my favorite episodes so far. The conversation between the three of you is so enjoyable to listen to. You guys make me rock hard. Oh boy. Oh uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> and he put in parentheses. See what I did there? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we yeah. Unfortunately we did. Yeah. 
See Real Man, 78. You don't have to be a KISS fan to listen to this podcast. If you're missing out on these bonus episodes, you are missing out on some serious laughs. Cool. See, Eddie, oh, uh, email from Teddy Barnes. You know what makes me rock hard? Lita Ford. Just figured I would share. Uh, <laughs> okay. Thanks, Teddy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> some of the fans you guys got, just fuck. Um, Casa. Cassa, what do you mean, you guys? What do you mean? Yeah. What, what, what do you mean? What, what do, do I mean? You guys. guys. You're part of the bonus episode. These are your fans, too. <laughs> okay, us. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. I'm sorry. Um, Casa Danione, where are the bonus episodes? A couple of things. There are testicle museums. Oh, that's that came up on the, the up ambassador on thing, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. When is the next bonus episode? I'm actually not a major Kiss fan, so I look forward to the bonus episodes. Oh, that's right. Okay. Uh, and three, the girl, the girlfriend wants to know if the normal sounding one is married. You know that that guy that doesn't sound like Boston. Does that mean me? Supposedly, that's what he's, I think. Yeah. Supposedly he's sexy sounding. I had to cut his portions of the last bonus episode and make a new episode so she could hear his voice while she was. Does that say pegging? <laughs> <laughs> And then he put TMI question mark. Oh Bean my town, god! Bean Town is this a neighbor of yours? Like who uh, is this? Uh, uh, no comment. First of all, she. It. I think they're referring to you because you know the guy that doesn't sound like Boston. So I'm assuming that's not me or Tom. No, it can't be. It's got to be you, right? <laughs> right. And she was pegging. Don't if 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 you don't know what that means, oh. don't Google it. Oh, I know what that means. I know. I, you, just, I know. I was just afraid just, that's actually what the word was. <laughs> yeah, don't, that was, don't, don't. Yeah, that was the word. That was the word. Yeah, and of course we wanted Sonny to read the emails this week. <laughs> yeah. Of course, and Tommy is correct. Do not Google pegging, <laughs> and and if you do, do it on someone else's computer. <laughs> that's- that's when that old lady, that old lady meme that's with the glasses looking at the computer screen. Yes. What is that pegging? Oh, was that her? Oh, oh, pegging. Oh, stop pegging me. No, it's the other way around. Her to stop pegging me. Oh, how do we see? See, this is what happens. One week we have Ambassador Scott Brown on. The next week we're talking about pegging with our old German housekeeper from college. And Bilal, the little, the little six-year-old Israeli orphan that our that our that our dorm adopted. I mean, you just never know what level of sophistication you may run into on this show. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. We went from history podcast to ambassador to pegging. That's yeah. Awesome. Oh, Jesus Christ. That's our, that, that's our, those are our fans. Honey. Yep. So, you know, on that note of pegging, <laughs> Sonny, what do you have to say? Well, I figured maybe we start here. Since we all know we're lovers, I know. I said I know oh, that you know what I'm talking about. I know you heard of Adam. Oh, God. And since we got a bunch of animals here, I know you heard of Eve, oh, but have you heard of Adam and Eve.com? Because oh, free stuff is awesome, but free stuff to spice up your bedroom is even better. Select almost any one item for 50% off, and then Adam and Eve loads on the free stuff. 
enter promo code LOUDCAST at checkout and get 10 tantalizing free gifts. A sexy item for him, a special gift for her, and a third item you'll both enjoy. And six free spicy movies, plus free shipping. That's promo code LOUDCAST at adamandneve.com. Oh, boy. There we go. Yum. Well done. Yep. <laughs> this bonus episode is my pick. So I wanted to change it up a little bit and go back to something that is nostalgic for me. And I had a big uh, affinity for Bon Jovi when he first came out in the first few albums. And one of my favorites, and if not the favorite of all his albums, was the debut album, Bon Jovi, Bon Jovi. For me, this has a special place. But before we do that, I usually we usually go around and ask everybody <clears throat> what their opinion is, like what their uh, how they interacted with this album, where they heard of it, well, you know, any other feelings. Go ahead, Sonny. Why don't you start us off? Okay, so I'm coming into music '84 MTV kid. I missed on Bon Jovi uh, until "You Give Love a Bad Name" was on every other video on mtv and it happened to be my senior year slippery when wet is a uh, desert island album for me so knowing that i started going backwards right and that's how i kind of came about this album i would say that i'm a bon jovi fan from about 84 to about 94 they lose me at these days something for the pain probably is the only song i like on that and then after that, they kind of become like this rock country thing that they want to be. I don't, I don't quite understand that stuff. But uh, so I was, you know, I was in Bon Jovi for basically ten to eleven solid years. They're amazing songwriters. I love Desmond Child. Desmond Child's all over the songwriting, so that's great. So uh, you know, and I've seen them live a couple of times. I saw them live in '87, Cinderella opened. Saw them in '89, Skid Row opened. Saw them in '93, Extreme opened. I mean, that's some serious folks opening for these guys. Mm-hmm. And then I saw him in 95 and I think the last time I saw him was in 2001. So, uh, Bon Jovi, thanks to MTV, man, between 86 and 90, you could not get away from Bon Jovi. There's absolutely no doubt, but, uh, I own this album <clears throat> have since probably 87. Okay. So for me, my experience with Bon Jovi began with 7800 Fahrenheit and that's because I've mentioned on previous episodes a lot of these a lot of these albums that we we talk about were kind of in that wheelhouse when you know my preteen and teen years and I have a sister that's that's 4 years older than me so she had gotten the 7800 Fahrenheit LP and I remember looking at it and hearing uh, In and Out of Love and I was like whoa this is kind of cool I had nothing no knowledge of this debut album at all <clears throat> excuse me and never really knew anything about it until later when Bon Jovi really blew the roof off with Slippery When Wet and people started going back and Runaway became kind of like a, a sleeper hit. I've never owned this album. I don't know much about it. I'll be completely honest with you. So this is another one that I was excited that somebody picked that I don't know a lot about because when Zeus picked this, I was like, okay, cool. I don't have a history with this album. I don't know a lot about it. I'm going to jump in and, and see what we think. Bon Jovi for me, I'm a very casual fan. I like Slippery When Wet. I like this is one of those bands where I, I'm a fan of the hits. I pretty much don't know any deep cuts from Bon Jovi. I just never got into them. Slippery When Wet, obviously, is a fantastic album. But even with that album, it's pretty much the hits. 
Same thing with some of the songs off New Jersey, but I just never really kind of got an affinity for Bon Jovi, but I am excited to talk about this album for sure. All right. So for me, <clears throat> I, this is one of those things I can probably name you bands in my life or music that I listened to, where I was, when I was, and which were my big bands growing up. There was an, a, a point in my life, obviously, Kiss. We know that, right? There was Def Leppard when High and Dry and Pyromania came out. There was a, a Duran Duran point in my life. I don't oh, know yeah. if you guys had that. Absolutely. Um, I had one of their posters in my room. Yep. The other one was Bon Jovi. So I know where I was in my parents' house, my childhood home, in the basement, when Top 40 Radio played Runaway. Mm-hmm. I remembered Runaway on the radio. Now, you're talking wow. about a song that was, um, I don't know, thir- number 39. But I yep. remembered hearing it. And this is right around the time the Def Leppard getting back into Kiss. So the thing about Bon Jovi for me and this album, I bought this album. I didn't have a brother. I didn't have a cousin. I didn't have a friend that told me to buy this album. I picked this album out. This is the first one that I got on my own. This is the first band that I liked, and I didn't care if anybody liked them or didn't like them. I didn't have that other person says, oh, I have that Bon Jovi album. My brother didn't like Bon Jovi. My cousins didn't like it. I ain't friends. I, I liked it. I bought this, and I must have played this album through and through. I The hardest thing I've probably done so far in all these episodes is pick pick the ranking of these songs because they're all, you know, pretty much for me, straight through. This is a, a, a desert album for me. There is no, I don't know, well, how can I describe it? Free Bird. Like the song that's just way above and beyond everything else. There is, I I can listen to this thing straight through and have the same sentimental love of this album for every song that gets played. There's not one that I would skip. There's not one that I would, and it's not to say this is the greatest album of all time. This is just something for me. And I love this so much. And then when 7800 Fahrenheit came out, I bought that. I had the Bon Jovi video collection on VHS. Oh, God. Before Slippery When Wet came out. Oh, oh boy. Before that. So this was my band. This was the, this was the sound. This, Def Leppard, Kiss, was the sound to me of the music that I would like going through the rest of my life. This pop guitar rock, which was, you know, you talk about the writing, Sonny. It's not Kiss Paul Stanley lyrics, but it's it's also not Bob Dylan. It it is good writing though, down to earth good writing. Uh, we'll get into it when we talk specifically about this album. But for me, this is why I picked this album. I you know obviously the obvious pick would have been Slippery When Wet or something or New Jersey maybe something like that. But for me, this is the one that stood out. And Bon Jovi, right up to, you're right, I would even say almost New Jersey is a different band. You know, these days and things like that. And what's the other one? They keep the faith and stuff. They start changing. And we'll give them the, I'll give them the credit because I think they saw what's going on. And we can have this discussion. I'll have it now because it's fresh in my head before I forget it. They're the only ones that survive. And I'm not saying survive because you can go see 
Don Dawkins embarrass the fuck out of himself right now on stage. Or, you, you know, rats in a Geico commercial and stuff. There are bands that survived, okay? You know, you can listen to Tom Kiefer from Cinderella. You can listen to... There is nobody that is selling out stadiums, selling albums, and huge around the world like Bon Jovi. They're the only ones of that era that I can think of, and please correct me, I'm not putting Guns N' Roses in there, too, okay? Of that, what was really deemed hair metal, like... Because I don't think Bon Jovi, let's be honest, can be defined that era other than hair metal, really. Um, who else can sell out and do it? And in order for them to do that, they changed a little bit. I wish they would go back to their roots. They did a little bit on their, that circle tour and stuff. But other than that, you know, this to me is a, of, a, of a, a band that's no longer in existence because that, this is not the same band. I I, I want to throw it to you guys, and you guys tell me what band do you know that survived the whole grunge stuff and uh, hair metal that moved on. Yeah, we've talked about we've talked about this before when we talk about hair metal, and I think you know obviously Bon Jovi gets lumped into that group, whether you agree or disagree. But I think the reason why Bon Jovi survived the grunge era and why and they evolved, whether you like it or not, is because they're a talented group. Okay, you have a fantastic lead singer. You have great songwriting. You have great musicians. You have a band that is capable of writing hooky, catchy choruses that aren't completely over-the-top cheesy and corny and sappy. Some of the songs are, of course. But we've said this before. There's a reason why there's a certain amount of bands that that survive decades through changing and evolving music is because they're talented. It's not, there's really no trick to it. You, you, th- there's a reason why firehouse had a couple of huge hits and then they just kind of went away unless you want to find them somewhere at a small club. Like you said, if Bon Jovi right now announced a tour, they would be selling out Foxborough stadium with a Patriots play. That would be, that would yeah. be sold out in a day. Yeah. Okay. There are very few bands that can do that. And, you know, maybe Guns N' Roses, maybe Metallica, maybe the Foo Fighters. I don't even know if the Foo Fighters, I know they sold out uh, Fenway Park, but I don't even know if they could do Foxborough Stadium. But I think it comes down to the talent. And when you're talking about this album specifically, and I know we'll, we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more, but I'll just say this. I think one thing that I notice about this album is you can tell it's a young band ready to take over the world. They maybe didn't have it all nailed down on this album, but but it's almost like when you're watching like a like a college football prospect and you see you see like a young quarterback and you're like, fuck, this guy is going to be good. If we can coach him and teach him and have him fix a couple of things with his mechanics, he could end up being Tom Brady or Peyton Manning. And I think when I when I hear this album, it, it doesn't surprise me that they evolved into the band that became because they're smart and they're talented. Sonny. I want to, uh, before oh. we go to Sonny, I'm just going to add this one thing. Hold that thought that what you said, because this is one of my theses about this. Oh, okay. And I want to get back to it, but Sonny, please. Perfect. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, if you're looking at bands that started, we'll just say hair metal era, there isn't any. Right there's there's guys out there that can sell a stadium. ACDC can sell a stadium. Probably Ozzy can sell a stadium. Van Halen, if they got together, could sell a stadium. Right, but those guys didn't start in the hair metal era. Right, right. So they're not called even, hair metal bands. Right, though. right. And At even least by if, anybody reasonable. 
Yeah. Even if you had like a Def Leppard, you'd have to put White Snake together with them to probably sell out what Bon Jovi's selling out. So I think what's what's happened is John is an astute businessman. You hear interviews from 85, you can tell that. Like that he had it early. And he was in his early 20s thinking that way. And I think they got one guy at the helm. And that matters, right? Because that guy's controlling everything. Even when it came down to his songwriting partner that wanted too much money. And he's like, you know what? Then I'll just do it without you. Because he is the guy at the helm. And I think if you got one person, smart, that isn't coked up and all that kind of crap, and is willing to change with the times and doesn't get let his like ego get in the way, and probably wanted to do stuff like that and let hair metal kind of get his popularity, but then he weaned off and started going into blues and then so slowly into this country thing. And it's not all country. It's probably kind of like pop or rock country kind of thing. I just kind of lost interest. The guy's smart, and uh, I think you just can't let your ego get in the way. Yeah. And I think and one 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 thing, Zeus. I'll let you jump in. I think another thing too. You underestimate too. A lot of the bands that we've talked about, Metallica, ACDC, you know, Aussie bands that could potentially sell out. One thing that Bon Jovi was really, really good at, and I don't think it's a coincidence that Bon Jovi, at especially in the prime, good-looking guy, huge female audience, yeah. huge female audience, and you cannot underestimate that when it comes to selling out venues. A lot of their songs, you, you'd, you'd see boyfriends and girlfriends going to see Bon Jovi. You'd see groups of guys and girls going to see Bon Jovi. Not a lot of bands can pull that in. And I think that was another thing. And again, it was the songwriting, but people wanted to see John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambor, good-looking guys that commanded the stage presence. And I think that also led to their, their success, too. Obviously, you know, the songwriting and the talent is going to supersede, but it doesn't help when you have two really good-looking guys that can command the stage. You didn't think Tico Torres is a really good looking guy? <laughs> but you don't think Juan Cruchet and Rat was a handsome man? <laughs> but it it shows you, and this is all through history, Yeah, women are just more uh, loyal to the bands that they listen to. That's, yeah. that's just how it is. And if you can appeal to that mass audience, guys will be there because the women are there, period. Yep, absolutely. So it's easy. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So a couple things. I want to jump on both of you guys made excellent points. Tom, Please don't jump on us, though. <laughs> don't jump on us. I don't yeah. want to hurt anybody. <laughs> uh, first of all, let, let me, since Sonny, you just the last one to made the comment about John being the helm. I, this is, and again, this is the young me, not even, I think, um, I think maybe junior high or before junior high, John Bon Jovi. John Bon Jovi, to me, was the first person that I said, that's somebody I wish I could be. That fucking talented guitar rock front man. All the girls loved him. He was singing in a band. He's a guy that you could take out of that image and was still like, girls were like, who the fuck is that guy? He was that, he is still like distinguished, that good looking. Like, Girls may have been flocking to Cinderella concerts, but nobody's walking down the street seeing fucking Tom Kiefer and going, oh, who is that? <laughs> right? Or no. even Rat or anybody else. Bon Jovi, take him out of the look, is still a guy that could turn people's heads, you know, yep. both sides. Yep. So smart, articulate. He was 22 when this came out. 
and we can get into the story of how this came out and how he was hustling, doing stuff. He he wasn't just some guy that was like, you know, hey, I'm just in a band. I want this guy was working to become a rock star and busting his ass, hustling to do this stuff. So he had the like the kiss work ethic to become that big, and he used all that. And again, no drugs. Didn't have that big of an ego. Played that good-looking image down. Always would talk about it. I remember when, when Slippery When Wet came out, and they're like, you know, your image, you're so good-looking, this and that. And he's like, oh, you know, and then they put out, like, Wanted Dead Alive, and he's all shaggy and grubby in the bus and stuff. Like, he put that out, like, I'm humble. I'm not that special. He didn't play up, you know, I, I don't know who I was to say, David Lee Roth. Image yeah. like you know, look at me, you know, I'm the stop like Brett Michaels or something like, like that. oh shucks, you know, hey, what's up? We're a <clears> band, <throat> we're from New Jersey, we're just a rock and roll band. He didn't in that image, he was able to transform that into the humble guy, country rock, an Americana, because most people would still critics would be like, ah, fucking hair metal. But because of the wanted dead or alive and because of that country rock kind of stuff, he started getting credibility to his stuff. He wasn't considered like the rest of those bands, poison and stuff. So he had that going and that, you know, good looking image like Tom and you guys both were saying was able to get that female audience better than anybody. And you get the females then the guys are going to. Yep. So but the other thing I wanted to bring up besides him being the first guy, I was like. Wow, I wish I could be him. He's so lucky, you know, was this. Uh, Tom talked about, like, you could see the makings of a, a blue chip prospect. That's exactly what I wrote down here, Tom. I felt like when I got in Bon Jovi from Runaway and Bon Jovi, the debut album, that I was an investor and I bought his rookie card. Yeah. I, and I wrote that down. And specifically, like you said, it was like an investment in and then my rookie card became fucking Tom Brady. Yep. Right? That's what I feel like. It's that Tom Brady analysis. I bought him. I trusted him. I watched Tom Brady play in Michigan because Tommy knows I because I'm a big Michigan, Michigan. fan. Yep. So I remember him winning the big <clears throat> games and stuff. So when the Pats drafted him, I was excited. Oh, he's they got the Michigan quarterback. I thought he was pretty good. Now, did I expect him to be Tom Brady? No. But I feel like, yeah, that was me. Same thing with Bon Jovi. And the funny thing is, I watched them go through those, you know, you know, the 7,800 Fahrenheit. They're growing, growing, growing. And then I went to Greece one summer. I come back after the summer. Next thing I know, You Give Love a Bad Name is blowing up everywhere. Slippery and Wet's number one album. It's going, I was like, are you fucking shitting me? That's my band. Fuck you guys. I got into them in the beginning. No. I was listening to come back because I need your loving. Come back. <laughs> back, back, back. So it, it, back it, to me. Right? Back, back. It, it's funny that you say that, Zeus, because I just had this conversation with my soon-to-be 16-year-old son because there are certain genres of music that we that we both like, like hip-hop, stuff like that. And there's a band that he's liked for years that, that I'm starting. I'm like, oh, they're not bad. And he referred to himself as the gatekeeper of that band, meaning I was here first. I liked this band when no one heard of them. Now they're popular. You can't like them. I've liked them, but no one heard of them. And you're right. And that's what it's like with you. When you were, you were listening to, 
you know, uh, get ready. And everyone's like, and everyone's like, Oh, have you heard of this song? Wanted dead or alive by Bon Jovi? Like, yeah, fuck you. I knew that three albums ago. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like yeah. I, said, I had the fucking VHS of the first few videos. Yep. You know, yep. that's, that's how I feel about this. As, as our that's friend Jim, as our friend Jimmy would say, Zeus, I started it. Yeah. I started that. <laughs> <laughs> I started Bon Jovi. Exactly. You owe me some royalty. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> I'll get that sometimes with like Night Ranger, right? Because yep. they're they're hometown boys or like yeah. YNT. Somebody will message me, "Hey, I just heard this new group YNT. You got to check them out." I'm like, "Really, dude?" <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You feel like it's a personal attack on like what the music you love. You're like, "No, no, 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 no. personal attack on my person, exactly. on my person." Exactly. Absolutely. So let's talk about this album. Okay. Okay. Before we tend the album, we always go to the album cover. Oh, boy. And no, that is not Richie Sambora in drag, because that's what the rumor was. It's John Bon Jovi in some sort of, like, jeans, trying to be like a, yeah, tough guy in his fucking Robin Hood, like, boots there, his Robin Hood boots, and some lady who's showing a little bit of leg, looks like a transvestite i don't know what that fuck that does not look like a girl and then she's getting in the cab right i don't know is it where's the cab it looks like she's doing a uh you know what do you get for ten (laughs) dollars you know kind (laughs) of if you open up the gatefold you see the back of the album there's the four members of the band like looking on like yo hey what are you doing (laughs) they're sitting there going why the fuck are we on the back cover of this yeah, we're in the um, band. There's no cab there. I was thinking like she's trying to flag down a taxi or something. Like I, I don't know exactly what she's doing there. I don't either. Yeah. She looks bigger than him. Inside of the lyrics. Oh wait, we're not going to talk about David's hairdo. Oh, you want to go ahead? <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> the picture in the back is fine. That kind of black and pink tint is a little weird, but you know, it, it, they look good. But then David's hairdo. <laughs> the fro has got to go. It's 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 a it's a rough look. It's a rough look, and it, and it is it is interesting, and and you you got to wonder like, you know how many how many band albums have just the lead singer on the cover, and then the rest of the band on the back cover. Like so, you know, it's kind of it's kind of interesting interesting cover for sure. But yeah, Bon Jovi. I mean, at the time it came out in eighty four, Bon Jovi looks it, it's kind of a cool eye catching cover. I mean, you know, based on some of the other things, you don't get the you don't get the impression that this is like hair metal. You get the impression this is kind of like, you know, like a maybe like a ooh, he's kind of a badass. It's like at night, it's a street, there's a woman there and this guy with like a sleeveless shirt like, ooh, he's going to kick ass. It's like fucking like his hero Aldo Nova. That's what it looks oh, like. Oh, yeah, Aldo Nova. <laughs> <laughs> if you look inside too, there's a picture of the band and I don't know this David Bryan fucking look. I, I don't know if it's a trendsetter because I think it was later perfected by Paulie Z from Z-Rock. Oh. <laughs> yep. um, but I've never seen a picture with four of the five guys with their fucking Elvis collared up. Right. Oh you got to remember, you got to remember 1984. There was still the new wave kind of like pop shit was still going on. So, you know, we'll, when we get into the when we get into the album music, we'll I'll talk a little bit about that because we're on the cover right now. But yeah, the image is it's kind of up in the air at this time. Yeah, and uh, he's got his Chris Jericho 
scarf around his neck on the inside pitcher. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. yeah, I mean, this is a typical 80s band, not as hair metal makeup, but certainly like new age fucking kind of whatever look. And then they got the lyrics in here, which are fantastic because yep. sometimes I can't get what John is saying. So that's the album cover. Want to talk? We'll talk a little bit about the album. Do you have any of the facts, Sonny or Tom, or do you want me to do it? No, you can you can you can kick it off. Okay. Go for it. Yeah, go ahead. So, this album was produced by John's cousin, Tony Bon Jovi, B O N G I O V I, no space and no J, and Lance Quinn. John was twenty two years old when this came out. Uh, recorded in eighty two, eighty three, released. January 21st, 1984. So the story goes, and the album is on Mercury Records. It's now platinum. I'm pro- it's probably more than that by now. The story goes, John was hustling, trying to get a record deal. His brother, his cousin, excuse me, uh, Tony, ran the was the owner of the Power Station Studios. So John was hustling by this point, trying to get a music out, doing demos and things like that. And he had this song you know, runaway at the time. And he um, wanted to get it out. So he did a demo of that. And he did it with this like New Jersey group of musicians called the R star all star review. Uh, Hugh McDonald, who's now in the band as the bassist, He was the bassist Then uh, a guy named Tim Pierce on guitar, Frankie LaRocca on drums and Roy Bitten on keyboard. So they did the demo for runaway. It became a hit locally, and because of that, and there's a whole mythology to it, you know, him hustling around to get it on stations and stuff, and it went on like a local uh, station's uh, CD or album of local groups, and it got some play, and uh, especially on that 103.5, the Apple. Um, And so Runaway became it, and they were like, okay, so we need an album. And so John had to go hustle and get a band together. And his hustling got and went back to his high school friend, uh, David Bryan, who at the time was David Rashbaum. And then he went out and got basically what is known as the classic Bon Jovi lineup, which is amazing because they just threw this together. And these guys are like, hey, you want to be in this band? So David got Alec John Such, the bassist, Tico Torres, the drummer, and then at the time was Dave Sabo from um, Skid, Row. Skid Row. Snake Sabo, yep. out, yeah. And they had him in, and <clears throat> he left. And then the uh, fresh off a Kiss audition, Richie Sambora comes in. <laughs> That's right. And jumps in and becomes it. To think, throwing, like, what are the odds that throwing a band like this together would go on and do, like, like, at their height with the New Jersey tour and stuff like that. Just like guys that they just threw together. And what's interesting is the three young guys were basically John, the keyboardist, David and Richie. And then the two kind of older guys, like the Mick Mars of the band were the two seasoned guys, Alec and, and Tico. Mm-hmm. And those guys were the, you know, mesh with the younger guys. And they formed basically Bon Jovi. And Bon Jovi had to come up with an album. And this is what they came up with. And to think this is what they came up when they just threw this together, to me, is pretty amazing. But, guys, why don't you take over here, Sonny? 
Yeah, I think the amazing part about it, with throwing a group like that together and then defining a songwriting team that gets so many number one hits, right? That Richie and John will never know if it was a 50-50 split. We know Desmond helped, obviously, but we never know, we'll never know who brought the who what. But getting that lucky that you can put a John Lennon, Paul McCartney type of songwriting team together that people have respected in this era, period, on the fly is crazy. And I wonder how Sable feels. He's like, fuck, I'm in Skid Row and Bon Jovi's still selling out stadiums. <laughs> it's true. And it's funny, too, because you look at, like, Bon Jovi even says in a later interview back in the, the late 2000s, he's like, yeah, we weren't a very good band. We didn't become a good band until the third album. And this is an interesting quote. He said, we had a drummer who could keep time, and you should never take that for granted. He's like, I did okay for a 22-year-old. It's an interesting comment about drummers because – I'm, I'm obviously I'm not in a band. I'm not a drummer, <clears throat> but I've read a, a, you know, a lot of books about bands and they're saying finding a good drummer is one thing, but finding a good drummer who can keep the pace and the time of your songs is a gift that once you get it, you need to hold on to it and having that. But like Zeus, what you said too, I think it all comes down to the, 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 the work ethic and the drive and the fact that Bon Jovi's like, okay, we have this now. We kind of rushed together to put this lineup together. We rushed together to write these songs. This is what this is our jumping off point, but I want more and I know I can do more. You know, a lot of bands would have like settled for this, be like, oh, look at this pretty good album. Runaway is kind of a semi hit. Let, let's go with it. But he was like, no, 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 we, we want more. And obviously they got more because 7,800 Fahrenheit's a great album. That's underrated yep. as that's underrated as well, too. Um, so again, you could see like the, the birth of something great here with this band. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I think the band at this point right now, young, hungry, and futures looking bright. Who They never imagined what would happen from there. And uh, basically, they went in and, and created this album as a starter point. Just throw something together. But you mentioned Desmond Child, Sonny. But Desmond Child doesn't come in until Slippery. And it only comes in because Paul Stanley, that is, was supposed to work on that album, Slippery and Wet, and produce Bon yep. Jovi's album, and he didn't. And he was working with Desmond Child and said, Oh, why don't you go help John write some album songs? And then that's when they took off, adding him on there. Yeah, it, it would be interesting to see if Slippery would be as big if it wasn't for Desmond, right? You can, oh, yeah. we'll talk about it when we go through the songs. There is definitely hints of, Oh my God. Some of this stuff is really cool, hasn't been done before kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. But uh, I'm a believer that, first of all, if you got a songwriting duo, you shouldn't split them up after a while. Like, you know, whether it's Brian Adams, Jim Valance, whatever, you split them up. They just don't work well apart. And we've seen that happen when both these guys did solo albums later. Yeah, they're meh, right? But together, they're magical. But Desmond definitely put a polish on it. That uh, took them to the stratosphere. They might have been headed there anyway because there was talent without them. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Before we get into the tracks, can, can, just a couple of like general comments, sure, if, if we can. Okay. So when 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 we do when when we do a bonus episode, like usually right when we're done, we decide what the next one's going to be. And so when we finished, peace of mind, Zeus is like, "I'm the next pick. I'm picking this." And I was excited, like I said earlier, because I didn't know anything about this album really. 
So listen, I had fresh ears. I had no preconceived, like, I love this album. I Fresh ears, you know, somebody not really knowing too much about it. <clears throat> and I noticed a lot of interesting things about this album. And the album came out in 1984. Unfortunately for them, it was two weeks after Van Halen 1984 came out. And that album, like, took over the world. Um, but you can tell that there's a lot, of, and we'll get into it a little bit more specifically, like Sonny said, when we do track by track, but there's a lot of things on a lot of these songs where the sound is they're trying, they're they're trying to figure out who they are. Like, are they, are they Bon Jovi or are they journey? Are they survivor? Are they foreigner? Are they lover boy? Are they Van Halen? Are they Pat Benatar with a feet with a male vocalist? You know, there's a lot that you could say that they're finding their footing. And I think the, I think I like that about the album. It's like, oh, wow. Okay. This album, this song sounds like this. Then you get to the next song. I look, well, this song sounds like that. And I think they kind of fleshed that out as their career moved on. But I think that's one of the things that's interesting about this album is kind of like a, a, an identity crisis, which isn't unusual for, for a band with a new album, but they worked on that. And I think it was successful. They took what was successful from this self-titled debut and, and ran with that as their catalog kind of expanded. And a, a, another funny thing. And again, we'll talk about it as we get specific. There's like maybe three or four songs on this album that I'm like, these could have been on the Footloose soundtrack. Now I gotta cut loose. I'm like, I can picture these songs being played during certain segments of the movie Footloose. And I'm going to get into that because it just made me laugh. And I don't know if that's because I think Footloose came out in 1984 and the same thing, but that style of music. So I want to, I want to, Sonny's got a shit eating grin on his face right now. And I don't know what that means, but I'm, I'm anxious to get into the, uh, in, into the track by track. <laughs> so we can, we can go ahead. Hello, Pantheon podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. 
Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon Podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. All right. So, first song. Here we go. So right out of the gate, I got a story. Uh-oh. So uh, it's 1987. Tony, this guy named Curtis, and I, we start a band. And we were the three main guys. We had several members go in and out. Several. I have several. Uh, Tony was absolutely the most talented out of our three. I had the least talent. There's no doubt. <laughs> so I graduated high school in 86. Tony graduated in 88. Went to private school. So we decided to play at lunch at his high school during his senior year in 88. And Runaway was one of the songs we did. I couldn't figure out the keyboard lick, so Tony had to show it to me because I suck. And uh, Curtis sang it. I think it was basically Tony, talented, Curtis is good, and then a bunch of drunks because I don't know how good it came out. But uh, it was interesting. It's crazy to me that the riff that I attached to David Bryan isn't written by David Bryan. <laughs> so that's that's <laughs> yeah. a little interesting, right? That you got an E Street guy writing the riff that you would think is one of the most iconic Bon Jovi songs there is. I love it that the guitar, when the guitar comes in, the keyboard lay kind of lowers in the mix. I think the guitar solo is great. And there's no doubt it's a catchy song. That's why it's used in movies and commercials. Now, all that being said, that fucking falsetto at the end totally irks me. I don't know who the hell told John. It must have been the same shithead that told Paul to do it in Just a Boy. It's like, oh, John, you sound great. You should do that. Yeah, you should do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it comes out a couple of times, and it just it doesn't ruin the song for me, but I fade it out before it even gets there onto my iTunes because I can't handle that shit. But uh, besides that, I think it's a great song. 
Oh yeah, it's it it's it's an iconic song. That intro is iconic. You know, it's of the time. Eighty four keyboards were taken over, but this this is a song. I mean, when you your debut album, you start with this song. You're putting people on notice. Pay attention to us. This song fucking kicks ass. I love Bon Jovi's voice. Unbelievably catchy chorus. And one thing I love about this song and this album in general, and I love it with 80s rock, especially hair metal, I am a sucker for when bands do the pick slide. And there are so many of that, so much of that on this song. We just hear that, wow. And I love it. it. Just I don't know. It's it's such an 80s thing, but I just think it's so cool. And they place them perfectly. And I love it in this song, too. Cool solo. Um, and Sonny, obviously, I'm sure we're all going to have to say, they're making this album. They're recording this. They're producing it. And somebody's like, hey, uh, John, this is a, this song's awesome. Why don't we ruin it by squishing your nuts in a meat grinder for the last one minute, hitting a falsetto note that totally destroys the vibe of the song that you've had for the last three and a half minutes? It, it, and it's funny because I found some information that this is one of the pretty much one of the only songs off this album that they ever played live. And when they played it live later on, they would do a, a like a uh, an extended like guitar solo and Bon Jovi wouldn't even do the falsetto live. They would just kind of like kind of do an outro guitar solo because John's like, fuck that. I can't do that anymore. I should I probably should have done it back in 84, but I ain't doing it now. But uh, nah, it's a it's a great song. And uh, Zeus, you'll 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 be the last to go. And then maybe for one, we can jump into the video. <laughs> All right. Written by John Bon Jovi and somebody named George Karak, who I looked up because of the publishing on this, is named George Karakoglu. That is a fucking fellow Grecian, if I've <laughs> ever heard a name like that. <laughs> okay. And so because that is, we're going to have a theme song for any fellow Grecian from here on out. Oh, man. Just like our favorite, and we're not going to say his name because we don't need to play it right now. Yep. Anyway, um, so this is with the All Star Review. They did this song, and this was the demo that went out. So this is John Bon Jovi, twenty-two years old. No one knows who the fuck he is. Getting this group that he threw together. Never mind the new band that he's going to put together. And this song goes up and becomes a top forty hit. Not mainstream rock charts. Not the fucking country chart. Billboard's top one hundred, number thirty-nine. Holy fuck, this kid's going to go someplace. So 
the keyboards and the keyboard intro. How can I explain it? I find David Bryan's keyboards throughout, you know, obviously not this song, but throughout Bon Jovi's history to be the kind of keyboards I like. I don't know how I can describe it. I like his keyboards in Bon Jovi. I don't like fucking um, my way keyboards. I'll fight hell to hold you keyboards. I don't know how I can describe it. Like, what is those difference versus this keyboard? It's yeah. the, the same. It's the same. The way I would liken it, it's the same difference between when a guitarist is playing chords and when a guitarist is like shredding. So the my the my way keyboards is like kind of like a rolling sound that kind of takes you away from the song. Whereas in Runaway, it's actually like. A, a, another piece of the song there, there there's beats and there's chords it's not just the sound of like a rolling kind of organ in the background which is which which my way has it's not like in my way you have like duh, 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 duh. like in this you actually have a beat like a rhythm with the keyboard and i think that adds to the song whereas we you don't like my way because that keyboard in the background kind of takes your mind off what else is happening that's how i interpret it sunny yes yeah, two things for me one is it's between honky tonk and synthesizer. So it sounds like yeah. a real piano, right? Yep. So then that brings in the Billy Joel, the Elton John, that flavor to it. And then the second piece for me is it lowers in the mix when the guitar comes. Exactly. And that's sometimes what ends up happening, like in my way, is it actually elevates, right? Or like in Van Halen, when you start going to 85, 86, yep. 87, right? The, now it starts elevating as the chorus is coming instead of kind of burying it a little bit. Um, so they did a good job of that. But I think it has to do with is somewhere between the country. You know, it's little somewhere between Little Richard and My Way, I guess, is the way to kind of put it. Uh, but it feels more like a rock piano. Well, also, too, in, 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 and I know what you're saying, say, there's a couple differences, and we'll get – there's another song in here. So this is more – of a synth, whereas there's a couple other songs later that have what what they call the electric piano, where it almost sounds like a piano with with almost like an echo, like a like an orchestral echo to it. So they do a, a couple different keyboards here, and there's one song specifically that I'm going to talk about that. But but uh, I see what you're saying, Zeus. That w- when keyboards are done correctly and the sound is good, it sounds like this, and it's awesome. See, I, I feel like you're right. When the keyboards are in Bon Jovi albums, they're keyboards. Yep. But like in my way, I'll fight hell. They're they're synced up to sound exactly. like other instruments, yep. not keyboards. Yep. So they make the guitar become like there's a pussification of the music, whereas the keyboard in this is just con- you know a different instrument that you can hear. And you're right, it drops, and then you hear guitar rock. You don't think of this as a just you hear the keyboard intro and it's still in the song, but the guitar comes in. Yep, exactly. And that's I maybe that's just it. But anyways, yep. the solo is great. I like the beginning first, right in the chorus, and it you know, the, the music stopped and she's a little runaway, and then boom, it picks up again. Yep. I love that part. And then the falsetto. <laughs> All right. So the elephant in the room. The thing about it is. I used to love it, and I don't think I've – but it reminds me of the problem that the Eagles had with Take It to the Limit, mm. okay, with Randy Meisner. Everybody waits for that last part of Take It to the Limit where he hits the falsetto. He got so fucking sick of it 
that he's like, I'm not fucking doing it. And then that's what led to the brawl between him and Glenn Fry. And then they fucking kicked him out. He's like, I'm not doing it. And then, and then they were like, well, everybody's here to hear you sing that part of the fucking song. You're doing it. He's like, fuck you. <laughs> I bet you Bon Jovi had that shit. And he's like, I'm just, you know what? I get to control this part. I'm not fucking doing it anymore. And first yeah. of all, I don't think I can. And because everyone's waiting for me that one time, probably on video, to hear me fuck it up and not being able to do it, which could happen to the best of them. I'm oh, not yeah. fucking doing this anymore. But, John, you had the chops back then, 22-year-old. You want to do it. You're fucking stuck. And I remember Paul Stanley's talking about that. Shit, if I knew I had to sing this later on in my life, I never would have done it when I was younger. And yep. you did it. Now you're stuck with it. I don't have a problem with it. It is what it is. It is kind of an 80s thing, you know, that rock where the people would have to hit the falsetto to prove to you that I can do it. And this is him, I think, a young guy proven to him. Like proving to everybody, look at me, I can fucking hit this. Runaway is just a classic hard rock metal slash hair metal, whatever the fucking genre you want to call, uh, song for me. Rock yeah. song, it's solid. Absolutely. Great riff, great chorus. And it's like the same thing that you'll hear about all these songs. It's that foundation, and he knows how to do it. So God bless him. Now, <laughs> the video. No God. I'm, I'm curious to hear your thoughts. Sonny, you want to go first? That video is unwatchable. I, I, I like the song, and the video is just so bad. For a good-looking group of guys, and, okay, maybe they're not all good-looking, but John Ritchie absolutely are, right? You could have really played this thing into a some sort of storyline video, but it kind of felt like they handed somebody 253 bucks. And made this video, and it's brutal. It's just brutal. Yeah, it's 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 really bad. Like, <laughs> like I mean, I wish I could come up with like a more creative word. Uh, it it's it's just amateur hour. It, it just you know, John doesn't really know what to do yet. There are certain parts of the video where he's got the David Coverdale microphone, the two hands on the on the on the mic stand, and then there's other times where it's like he's waiting for somebody to tell him what to do. You know, you got that apocalyptic destruction thing, and then you got the, you mean gir- the wait, 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 you oh. mean the lick it up set? Exactly. Yes. Over from the yeah. 83 when Kiss did lick it up and all hell's breaking loose. That exactly. Pretty much. And then you got the girl and you got, you know, they're trying. Uh, I mean, they're, they're, they're trying. It, it's just it's just not good. It's just not good. All right. Where do I begin? <laughs> First of all, the look. Yeah. Purple spandex, the fringe jacket, right? And the fucking Alleghia sneakers, whatever he was wearing. <laughs> exactly, yes. What the <laughs> fuck? The girl, you know, they couldn't get a hotter girl to play a runaway. They got, like, it looks like fucking, I don't know, Ali Sheedy in fucking... But a little, yeah, <laughs> Ali Sheedy that got a little bit fat in the ass. <laughs> well, I'm a little fat in the ass. That's what you for 253 bucks. I was just going to say, that's when you get when you're combing the high schools all day looking for a model. <laughs> <laughs> when you have to pick up chicks at the Orange Julius. Hey, ha, uh, want to be in a video from New Jersey, girl? Yeah, you want to Okay. <laughs> and then, like, supposedly she transforms from, like, the 
schoolgirl outfit she's wearing on with it. Well, she's constantly wet. And you're trying to, when you're little, and you're trying to see if you can see tits because she's got her, her white shirt is like wet. And then she transformed to what they believed or some director believed is a hot chick. Yep. And she's like dancing in the hallway, like the fucking, the doorway there. And it just looks, it looks like Elaine dancing on Seinfeld. <laughs> Sweet, fancy Moses. <laughs> It's like a full body dry heave. Oh my god. She fucking looks horrible. It's like she came into like an 80s mall girl then. She's got like a leather yeah. skirt and purple tights and like what the fuck? Yep. I don't know who told them. And she's like seeing images of guys like wearing like army fatigues and machine guns. Like what the fuck does that have to do with the video? And then she looks back and then those three guys look like fucking like Warriors, they look like the three guys that came into the house on Weird Science. Oh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like the apocalyptic guys that got called motorcycle dudes. Yeah, and what does yeah. that guy say to him? You can't even, was that Tom? You know, it's can't even take a shower without, without wearing your shoes. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. You can't, you can't even take a shower without wearing your clothes or your shoes. And then he goes, <laughs> And in that is the guy, the fucking principal from smoking, uh, smoking in the boys room. Oh God almighty. The is guy it? from the Hills yeah. have eyes. The conehead guy. Yes. Yes. The Hills have eyes, dude. But it's it's just it's a video they were trying to throw everything in there, like you said, the apocalyptic stuff, the hot girl, the friggin' you know, the badasses guy. It's just it didn't work. Yeah, I don't think she was too hot. No. Um, all right. Anything else you guys want to add before we move on? Nope. All right. Well, let's spin the roulette. This one to me is definitely more of a hard rock tune. Honestly, I would have opened with this. I get it that Runaways on the radio, and you want to put what's on the radio and hot right now at the beginning of the album. But if you were trying to do the pyromania flavor, which this one's got that pyromania pyromania flavor, and I love the chorus, 
I think this could open the album. You see it in the Runaway video a little bit. You definitely hear it in this song. Richie brings the rock credibility, right? If it's not for Richie, I don't know if you get any hard rock credibility with this band at all. At least that's how it feels here. And Tico did some great drum fills on this recording. Like, this song is a... People know it, but they never really did it live that much. This is a hidden gem of a song on this album. And uh, I always thought, for some reason, I always thought this was on 7800 Fahrenheit. I always get the two mixed up. Like, I don't listen to the albums enough to know what is on what. I know Runaway and In and Out of Love is on the two other albums, but uh, on the two different albums. But if you told me the rest of the songs, I'd have to guess, right? But uh, this feels a little more hard rock. Yeah, <clears throat> Sonny, I couldn't agree with you more. When when I was going through this album, this is a song I kept coming back to, and I was like, "Shit!" Like how, how like we said about like Sun and Steel on Peace of Mind. Like how how did this song not go anywhere? It's got a great riff. It's heavy, but it's still got the the pop rock sensibility of it. Uh, really cool chorus, cool solo. Um, just a, a very well crafted like hard rock slash pop metal song um and the, the chorus is just just ex- so catchy i can't get it out of my friggin' head but yeah i i understand why they why they opened up with runaway you know that song kind of grabs you right away uh but roulette is definitely a a, 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 a top tier song for me off this album written by john bon jovi and richie sam bora the beginning first track between these two writing and you're right sonny it, richie's guitar Yep. is what I love in guitarists from this era. This type of guitar, the, you know, Phil Collin, Steve Clark, Def Leppard, Pyromania guitar, crunch, give you that quick, awesome solo, move on, back into the song. The songwriting is there. The lyrics are there. This is the theme throughout this whole album. Like I said, there there's nothing on here that for me, like, oh, terrible. Like, it's all the same. He he just puts out catchy, great choruses, uh, decent lyrics, hooks, melody, pop metal, hard rock, whatever you want to call it. But and yeah, and there's a lot of whammy bar in this. You can pick up very cliche '80s rock stuff. And then you know, and they did end up playing this on the Circle Tour in 2010, where they recycle some of his old songs. It obviously, makes sense to pick this one up off this album. There's that one part in the song that he, like, I know the game, I know it well, and then they go, ooh, ah, ooh, ah, ah. <laughs> they always, they always find a way to like root, to like take like ten seconds and fuck up the song, like, like in Runaway, like why, ah, ah, <laughs> and that's what I'm talking about. That a Holly Knight or a Ron Nevison or a Desmond Child or. I think that's what those guys are doing. They're going, that shit, cut that shit out. Exactly. No listener wants to hear that. Yep. Do this instead. Yep. Right? That's where you protect the people from themselves kind of thing. Yep. A little Aldo Nova shit there. Oh, I love Aldo Nova, baby. Um, That's roulette. Ready to uh, get to know me?
Okay, so the only song not co-written by a member of the band, I think ever in Bon Jovi, possibly. Yep. Um, I guess the story goes, Polygram's looking for a hit single. They go get this song. Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice. Remember that? See what I did there? Um, what's happening is it's taken so long to put this album out. There's two other bands that put the song out. So one was released by the Grassroots, which the version's okay, but it's very little guitar. And the other one is released by this guy, Sonny Garassi, but he did it under like a pseudonym, Peter Emmett. I don't know why. Um, that one's more of a pop version, but they both came out before this song came out. I am a lyrics guy, and this is where there has to be a hook. There's got to be an earworm. There's, there's got to be something that bands do that hook me. And I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but if you think about the chorus, right? So the guys are singing, she don't know me, right? And he says, she don't know. So he's like answering. Mm-hmm. So it goes, she don't know me, she don't know. She don't see me, she don't care. She can't hear me, can't hear then it switches. They say, cannot help me. He goes, she don't want. And now they start answering him. She don't want me like I want her. Like I want her. Got to tell her. Got to tell her. Right? So they went from him answering to them answering him. And then they all come together on the last line. That is absolute gold. There is absolutely no doubt that that's got hints of these guys are going to write number one hit songs because that's the kind of shit that nobody will notice what it is, but there's something about it that attracts them to it. Now that all being said, there's one thing you got to add to the song. There's one thing you got to subtract thing. Got to add. It needs a solo. It needs a runaway guitar solo and it doesn't have one. Um, the other thing that it has, it can go away. He said, fucking falsetto again. I don't know why he must've came in one day and said, I can hit every note today. <laughs> but I, I just wish that was gone, but it does need a proper guitar solo. and doesn't have that. So when I heard this song, I was like, Oh, I'm like, I didn't realize that Mike and the mechanics made an appearance on Bon Jovi's debut album. I'm like, what, what just, what, what happened here? We just went from runaway to roulette to this, what what did, what am I missing? Like, it, it, like, which gets back to my original point about a band kind of an identity crisis. We're kind of not knowing who they want to be. It's an unbelievably catchy song. Like Sonny said, the chorus, unbelievably catchy, but very, very, very cheesy, very corny. That that, that electric piano is just gives it a very kind of corny sound to it of very of the time john's vocals even sound a little bit different when the song starts off um you know it it it, the song it it, it's weird to me because we just started with an awesome one-two punch of hard rock slash pop metal and then you get this and i'm like okay this this just sticks out to me like a sore thumb on the album it's catchy but it, it it just it's just an odd an odd duck for me on, on the album. All right. Written by Mark Arsic. It was number 48 on the charts. She don't know me. So the, the thing about this is it also right in the middle, Sonny, it needs that solo. I don't know why it does like a keyboard thing in the middle. I don't know why, but 
it also, you know what this reminds me of? And you were talking about answering and singing back in the band and stuff. Huey Lewis's Do You Believe in Love? There you go. That too. Right? Yep, absolutely. I was walking, walking down a one-way street, yep. right? That. Do you, like, that's what this kind of reminds me. Where John can pull it off because this band, right up there with Van Halen, right up there with Def Leppard, have the band and the backing tracks and the vocals and the choruses as good as anybody. And they can pull it off. And that's what makes this another one of the songs that I'm like, it, it, it can bring you in because he can pull this shit off. So can the bands. That's why Richie Sambora eventually can go out and do his own solo career and stuff because they think he can sing because of the backing vocals. So, yeah, that's what it kind of reminds me of. I like the song. I always liked the song because it's a catchy song. But it's not something I want to put out there when I'm hanging out with my buddies. It's something I can listen to on my own and enjoy. You know, okay. it's not a real rocking song. However, I want to get to the elephant in the room. Oh, God. And that is this fucking video. Holy <sighs> Wow. I used to watch this video all the time. Why? And, um, oh, because I just, this is the album. This is Bon Jovi. I got into it. So the, I, I'm, I'm like, I almost had a loss. First of all, his fucking jeans are so fucking hyped up his ass <laughs> that it's wiping his pancreas. And <laughs> so far up their ass, it's wiping that pancreas. The whole band's got tight jeans. But if you watch the video, him and Richie have their jeans like a fucking World War II vet, where they're like up to their nipples. Like, dude, pull your fucking pants down. They're too, they're all super tight. They're way too fucking high. And it just looks ridiculous you know and he's got his fucking bruce springsteen new fucking i'm from new jersey jean jacket on walking in the video so the thing is about this video i never realized until researching this again now that the girl in the video is the same girl oh god wow okay i didn't even notice that two different women it's the same girl it's her alter ego i didn't realize that I thought it was one girl, like he liked this girl. He's fantasizing over this girl. But then there's this other, I don't know, fucking housewife because she's wearing like a summer dress in fucking flats. I don't know what that was supposed to be. It was like a soccer mom liked him. And then the, the exotic one was somebody else out of his reach. He's crushing over this fucking girl. And he's in a bar hanging out with some MS-13 gang members. I don't know. I've ever seen fucking more stereotypical typecasting. And then, you know, he's walking around crushing over this girl. And then the other girl is following him. But it's supposedly the girl's alter ego. And at the end, and they cut this out because I have the old video. They cut out the part where those two fucking MS gang members follow the exotic version of the girl outside. Oh yeah. And they like about the mugger or rape yep. her or something. And, and tough guy, John Bon Jovi comes out with his heels and fucking jeans hiked up to his shoulders and gets confronted. And they have like a bottle, break a bottle. And they're about to slash him. And then the girl comes out, the older ego girl comes out and points a gun to those people. And then she pulls a fucking, the guy from, um, the Clint Eastwood movie. What was that movie about the car? Pink Cadillac? No, not Pink 
cattle. What's the movie about the car? Grand Grand Chris, Torino. Oh, Grand Torino. Oh, Grand Torino. And she puts the gun down and does like a fake hand shot gesture, oh, and the two MS thirteen guys run off, and then John's caught between the two women, and and then the other girl gets in a car and runs away. The soccer mom. It, it's got all sorts of fucking goofy shit. The only See, thing the problem I, is. Go oh, ahead, Sonny. No, go ahead. The problem is. They didn't release party songs. So the videos have to have some sort of storyline, right? But then they didn't hire a guy that can write a good storyline. So it's kind of all over the place. Because I'm thinking at the same time this is coming out, Paul's jumping through fire. But these songs don't allow you to jump through fire. These songs allow you to set somebody on fire, but that's about it. The only thing the, – the only thing – I know uh, I can't get past his nuts in this video. <laughs> that's that, I'm sorry. That's I mean he you know he comes out and he's and he's and he's walking down the street and he's kind of shaking his little John Bon Jovi ass down the street. He's like singing the song and I'm like, dude, you must have a six pack of Walmart socks shoved down the front of those fucking Wranglers. Cause I don't know how you're walking. That might be why he's walking weird. <laughs> His balls are like just out of place. That's all I, that's all I notice in the whole freaking video. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. There's another part too. What, what? about the, the middle sequence where all of a sudden he's wearing like these white safari pants and no shirt on. And he looks, yes. And oh, oh yes. He looks anorexic, yep. and he's got this wicked, wicked, like, East Coast version of Paul Stanley Chester. <laughs> yes. And he's, like, trying to crush on the girl. I'm like, dude, you look like the typical cheese ball in every fucking movie in the 80s oh, with absolutely. those white fucking pants and shirtless, and it's just one big fur ball. Yeah. <laughs> But I think it's it's the topic, right? It's yeah, yeah. Because think about the Huey Lewis videos that are coming out at this time. The songs are very summertime and upbeat and yeah. outside and girls around and blah. These songs just don't read that storyline. It's it's true. No, you're right. Yeah, it, it's just it's funny. I used to watch that video and I never realized the girl was the same video. I guess she's became like a famous actress or something. She was in like a Bob Seger video too like a rock video. She's in a few other things, um, but to each his own, you know, I didn't know the, the soccer mom in a video is the girl you should really be crushing on. Right. <laughs> oh man. All right. And now we're going to go up to the next track and it's not, you give love a bad name, but it's this. It's all part of the game that we call love Would you be content to see me crying After this little game you put me through After all I've done for you Tell the truth. 
Shot through the heart. I just thought about Elizabeth. I'm coming to join you, honey. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> off air, we were talking about Red Fox, in case you were wondering. And, wa- and watching um, your wild hickory nuts. And fellas, jump in a hot shower and wash them wild hickory nuts. <laughs> and your cucumber. For you unfortunates, your gherkin. <laughs> That's what John needed to do during that last video. <laughs> this song totally runs Paul Pat, Pat Benatar for me. This this song is a Pat Benatar song. I kind of saw it. It was funny. Tommy was saying it earlier. I kind of saw like the movie where the director like goes from sh- shot to shot of a couple couple maybe struggling with their relationship or whatever. And um, it could have been a pretty cool video. Probably. I, I think it has a great guitar solo. But that's about it for me. Like, this song is not good as other songs on this album. Not good, no matter what other people say. See what I did there? Not. Yeah. You're very clever. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Shot Through the Heart. Uh, for me, standout track on the album. Oh, um, my God. What? I, I think it should have been a hit. Um I, I think I it's it's of it's of the time, um, but when I when I made that earlier reference about songs from Footloose, this sounds like it could have been that scene that when when Kevin Bacon is all angry and doing the angry gymnastics in the barn, you know, because he's all fired up about what's going on in the town with you know, because <laughs> that's so what you do, right, Tom? When you get mad, you go oh, do, do some gymnastics. Oh, dude, when I'm pissed off, you you don't keep me away from the fucking parallel bars. I'm all over that when I get mad. Are you kidding me? But uh, but I I like the song. I like the core. I like how it's got like a driving kind of vibe to it. Um, and I can already tell just based off me and Sonny here that our 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 track rankings are going to be awesome. <laughs> Written by John Bon Jovi and Jack Ponty. So the funny thing is about this song, like I said, remember, I, I go to Greece, I come back, you give love a bad name is a big song. I'm like, dude, they ripped off themselves. What do you mean shot through the heart? And you're yep. like, that, I'm like, that's their first album. This is bullshit. It is weird. Off and I like them first. Fuck you all. <laughs> anyway, I love this song. Uh, I like all the songs. You know how it works. The same chorus, vocal, guitar, you know, melody, hook. It's all there, but the the Bon Jovi moment of the song is the and now you come back and you say you're sorry. <laughs> and whatever James is saying is some real heavy shit to James, because it's real meaningful shit to James. Because at the end of every sentence, he ended off with. <laughs> he meant that shit that he just said, boy. Everything that. <laughs> And you get mad, you start putting the needle back saying, what the fuck did I just miss? Settle down with your James fucking... Brown. Settle down with your jeans there, John Bon Jovi. He's like, huh. Meanwhile, me, meanwhile, meanwhile, last chorus, he was like talking about how she sees him crying. And now all of a sudden he's a badass that verse later. There is a running theme of this album. What settled down? Bon- yeah, no, no, that was that was peace of mind. <laughs> that was peace of mind. John Bon Jovi does not have 
a very positive outlook about love in women. Every woman breaks his heart. Every woman stomps on them. Every woman's out on the streets at night. And every woman's like, oh, now I caught you. And now my heart is broken. Like, what, dude? Look in the mirror, dude. You're you're banging anything in sight. You're no one's breaking your heart. So this shit is this it just continues throughout this whole album about all these women, they're all doing wrong, and they're all my love and all my heart. But this also, uh, Sonny, was played on the Circle Tour. They brought this one back as well uh, in 2010. And uh, for good reason. I like it. So Nice. Um, ready to get into some more uh, falsetto? Oh, boy. So Love Lies, the chorus has a great melody, and you can tell there's hints of, okay, these guys are like one step away from writing something that would be just scooped up by radio like nobody's business. They need like a Diane Warren or a Holly Knight or somebody to like write a few better lyrics because the lyrics are brutal. And then... The verses just need polish, and that's what you find on Slippery When Wet and New Jersey and later albums is they smooth out John's vocal a little bit, um, and then they, yeah. that fucking falsetto's back. But it's a, it's a good song. It's just like one step away from greatness to me, and this could have been on 86, Slippery When Wet, really, right? But it would have had – it would have just got rid of the rasp a little bit that John's got in his voice. Yeah, like we talked about keyboards, so that electric piano intro, just very, t- very of the time, very a very dated sound. Um, <clears throat> and I think if you wanted this song to be a hit, I think you give it to Journey and throw it on Escape, and Steve Perry turns this thing into a hit. I think this is, I think this, the, you, this has the makings, like like Sonny said, this has the the ingredients. There's a hit in there somewhere. They couldn't quite flesh it out for this recording, but I can picture Steve Perry. And Journey taking this and turning it into a friggin' hit. It kind of has that vibe. You know, it has that that like early '80s rock ballady kind of sensibility to it. I kind of get a little bit not not exactly, but I kind of without without the like the real super synth. I kind of get a little reason to live feel Kiss. You know, with this a little bit. Speaking of Kiss, real quick, just a general statement. I have a feeling that Paul Stanley listened to this album and was like, "Fuck." 
how can I write this album? I want this to be a Kiss album. I want to take these songs and turn them into Kiss songs, which Paul and them probably could have done pretty well with this album. They, they, again, all these songs are are either really good or close to being really good. Love wise, you, you mean wait a minute? You mean like Tears of Falling is Bon Jovi? That that too, absolutely. Oh yeah. Well, first of all, the whole Hot in the Shade album is slippery when wet, but. That's a different story. And but I love that's an earlier Bon Jovi tier. I mean, yeah. Asylum. Yes, that's you get true. That earlier yep. Bon Jovi kind of feel to it. Yep. Yep. But no, I it's it's a decent song. It's it's not great, but it, it's it's okay. Okay, so this was written by John Bon Jovi and David Rashbaum, otherwise known as the keyboard player David Bryan. Um, again, another theme of John and women treating him like shit, like it. Very, very, and I didn't even think about it, Tom, but you're a very, very good statement about that. Yeah, I can totally see Journey doing this and seeing like Steve Perry doing the shoulder head bobbing, singing this song. Yep. Yeah, I can totally see it. And, and then, you know, the falsetto at the end. I know that's not your thing, Sonny. I kind of like it. it and, and I don't know if I say like it, but I, I get it. And he obviously can sing to do that. I used to think it was funny to be like, Love lies. You're just another victim of the head lies. <laughs> I didn't realize it was headlights, but uh, headlines, excuse me, not head lice. But uh, I think the song's pretty good. Another another one down the road. It's just another pattern. John Bon Jovi can write a song. Uh, you know, I guess I could just say like that a song. This is a song. And you yep. can do it. Yep, let's break out. Break So we're not doing the three of us together. Are we going to try it at least? One, two, three. Whoa! Whoa. Oh man! <laughs> Sign us up. Record labels. Anybody? Oh God! Do it. I love that whoa whoa thing at the beginning. I think it's awesome. Um, for some reason, this the song makes me want to watch karate kid three i don't i don't know why i don't know why i was thinking that when i was listening to the other day um i don't know if you noticed but like the beginning of that first verse 
it almost sounds like an early Dawkins. Like John almost sounds like early Dawn. Yes. Uh, I love that the drums are a bit more pronounced and driving the song. I think the guitar solo is a little short, but the outro solo kind of makes up for it. But again, in the lyrics, again, that little gem thing I was talking about. So they're doing that whoa, whoa, whoa thing. And then when they start the second verse, the first line, they do the full whoa, whoa, whoa. Then the second line, they cut it in half. Then the third one, they do the full one. And then the fourth line, they cut it in half. Like it's little things. It's like, why am I liking this song? I don't understand why I like this song. And it's those little nuggets that completely make this thing a uh, gem that people need to hear because it's honestly a great song. Oh, it's absolutely a great song, but I can't believe in all of everything you just said about that, you left out that keyboard intro, (laughs) which sounds like two separate things. First of all, it sounds like that toy Casio keyboard I got when I was about 11 (laughs) years old. And it also sounds like something from the Revenge of the Nerds song that they play in the friggin' in the in the in the frat battle there. Clap your hands, everybody, and everybody clap your hands. We lambda, 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 and Omega Moon. And we come here on stage tonight to do a show for you. We got a rockin' rhythm and a high-tech sound that'll make you move your body down to the ground. We got Poindexter on the violin, and Lewis and Gilbert will be joining in. We got Booga Presley on the mean guitar, and a rap by little old me, Lamar. We got Takashi beating on his gong. The boys and the moves are clapping along, and just when you thought you seen it all, along comes a lambda for foot tall. So won't you come on out here on the floor, so we can work our bodies like never before. Break. But then it goes right into like a killer riff and like the drums are like, it's, it's a, it's a heavy song. And it, it goes back to what I said before about the, the set list. And it's like, okay, well, what is this the same band that just did? She don't know me because it doesn't sound like it. And again, with the pick slides, pick slides all over the place, this song, and it just gives it just that, Oh, I just love it. And it's got that eighties, like that breakdown in the middle where it's kind of things are kind of simmering down and you kind of get in the group doing the whoa, whoa stuff. And then it goes into a really cool solo. Another song where I'm just like, dude, why, why isn't this a hit? Why isn't Bon Jovi playing this song? It's, it's uh, definitely a, a lost one for me. I, I like it a lot. Yeah. Um, for me, I, 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 again, the whoa, shit is uh, reminiscent of an, early living on a prayer right do they bring oh, yeah. that back yep you know so it's another great song another girl that shows john you know poor screws over poor john you know oh man you know these girls are just not nice to me but the chorus the guitar solo the the vocals the you know the the melody the hook uh, you know, these things are all just the same kind of thing I've been saying all along with, uh, you know, this this album, because it, it just doesn't stop. It's just it's consistently throughout. I love this song. I'm glad that, you know, someone like Tommy who doesn't know the album is like, where the fuck is this song? Yep. And, and that, you know, that that's great. 
So, oh, I'm burning for love. Let's go. So for this one, love the vocal melody. I love the phrasing. I think it's got a great catchy chorus. I think Richie does a great job of like not overdoing the solo. Because if if Ingve would have got a hold of this song, this song would have been complete shit. <laughs> um, I love the pace and, for lack of a better word, like the boppiness. It's like it actually has a little bit of fun to the pace of the song where some of these songs don't kind of come off overly fun. It's missing that big Def Leppard backing vocals though. I mean, it could have really used mutt coming in and saying, dude, put this here and this thing's a hit. So uh, I would say this again is a deep track gem that doesn't get enough play. Uh, it's, a, it's a, it's a decent song. Um, this kind of gets back to uh, Sonny already referenced it in one of his songs, but I think, I think, I can picture Pat Benatar taking this song and turning it into a hit. <laughs> Another one of my footloose references. It reminds me of the song. Remember, remember the scene when they, when they're playing chicken on the tractors <laughs> and, they're, and, they're, and they're playing, holding out for a hero. I'm holding out for a hero. Like it, it's kind of like that fast, like, like, you know, everybody's kind of like crazy cut, cut kinda, action direction. Like, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. Cause, cause it's like a fast paced up, like chaotic type of, pacing of a pop song um it's okay sunny likes it a little bit more than i do you know it's a little cheesy with those background vocals say like, you know it's like yeah. all right i get it. it it's okay it's okay for me all right so this starts the trifecta that comes at the end of the three john bon jovi richie sambora written songs so again john bon jovi richie sambora wrote burning for love another poor john in love um you know how many I, I wish we could go back and think of how many bands rhyme the word action in satisfaction. Oh God, yeah. It's true. Right? <laughs> and I was like, oh, come on, John. But I know what you're saying, Tom, but it's not it's not Pat Benatar and it's not um Footloose. What okay. this song is, Michael Simbello's Fucking, oh, she's a maniac. Maniac. Okay, that's what this reminds me of. The whole song. Okay, she's a maniac. Yep. Maniac on the. Floor. This is. I'm burning for love. And I, I can totally. Yep. Yeah, I can totally picture the scene where she's practicing her dance moves to burning for love. Yep, I could see that. Yep. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It is an '80s movie segue cutaway. You know, portion. Like what do you mon- call it? Like a montage type yeah, thing. Big yeah. time. Yeah, they missed out on some film opportunities, seems like. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah, somebody soundtrack shit. Yeah. Either Mercury wasn't pushing for that, or John must have said no to it, or there's something missing there. That's why I said well, a lot of these songs. I'm like, I can picture these in movies, and for some reason, the movie Footloose kept coming back to me. I'm like a lot of these, I can picture like '80s scenes, like like you said, like like a couple arguing or like a fight ready to break out or something. It just has like or training like, part. Like you can yes. see song eight on Vision Quest. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? like something like right, that. Right. Yep. Yeah. Exactly. I, yes. Yep. 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 Sunny, please come back. So again, a great example of what's to become, right? Uh, just the pre-chorus is awesome. The chorus is catchy. I don't know how you sit in the studio and go, I know what this needs. Ack, 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 ack. Oh. Ack, 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 ack. I'm like, who? What? It, you know, the guitar solo is a little boring. This this is where Richie loses me a little bit because it needed something. I think that... That start-stop thing they're doing after the solo is great. I think that's a great idea. But uh, I guess it didn't build enough for me, and it didn't have that ripping solo to really catch me. And I just I, I kind of got lost at the ack, ack. I got the lost, lost, lost. The ack, ack, ack. It's an echo, echo, echo. I don't understand. Stand, stand, stand. <laughs> I got the same thing, Sonny. It, it's a cool song. John sounds great. Um, it's got like a nice, like, kind of aggressive upbeat to it um, with another very awesome chorus. But I, but I got written down here too, the, the reverb, you know, it, it, again, it's, it's dated. It's 1984, 1983, The interesting thing you, about the solo is that it's a simultaneous keyboard guitar solo. They're both kind of playing at the same time. Like, what the fuck are you doing? You have, why, why, why are you doing that? No, 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 no. Either, either give the keyboard their own thing and give the guitar their own thing. But I don't want to hear that together. No one wants to hear that together. You know, and then it's got the 80s, that you know, that 80s breakdown where there's no drums, you know, kind of like the, the thing that White Snake and Quiet Riot perfected. Um, it's it's a pretty cool song. I, I like it. I like it. It's definitely one of the better ones on the album for me. Yeah. For me, I, I like it. I like the interchanging between John and the band back and forth. Mm-hmm. I like that stuff. Poor John again, fucking getting his heart stomped. <laughs> Poor bastard. Uh, written by John Bon Jovi and Richie Sambora, of course. Come back is it just another one of those chorus? Good song. I, I can't explain it more than that. Yep. yep. I almost forgot. Tom, what do we think of when you hear the title before we end up with Come Back? What do you think of when you hear Come Back? 
Pablo, honey, come to come to Florida. Come back to Florida. Pablo. Hello. Yeah. Pablo, honey. Yeah. Please, honey, come down to Florida. Huh? Come to Florida, honey. We miss you. Yeah, who's this? Pablo, honey. You washing your ass, Pablo? Who is this? Keep yourself clean, honey. Sorry, I, 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 I just, it's just, too, it's just too easy. I'm sorry, it's just so stupid. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, let's get ready to end this shit. Go ahead, Sonny. So remember, I got this album after Slippery When Wet. So by the time 87, 88 rolls around, I'm already into Motown. I'm already starting to get there, right? And Temptations was the first place I went to with Motown. So I'm like, oh, wow, Bon Jovi did a copy of Get Ready, right? Because 87, 88, there was a lot of covers, right? So I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. I'm like, wait a second, this ain't no Temptations. <laughs> um <laughs> Uh, the beginning of the song works if the production was bigger, but instead it just kind of sounds a little tinny to me and it doesn't have probably the impact they were looking to have. Now it's also 1984. So maybe you can't make it sound 95 big. It is absolutely hands down Richie's best guitar solo on the album to me. Um, I think the song would have been better if it had that big backing vocal again, but the song's okay. Uh, the verses reminded me a little bit of uh, calling to you. So we can talk about that if you want to, but uh, Go ahead, it's hit got it. that. Go. Yeah. It's got the same feel that calling to you by Ace has. And, you know, some people who are listening to this are like, well, yeah, but that's coming out way after you got to remember that uh, Todd Howarth is the one who wrote that song. And it was originally co-written with Jonathan Kane in a band called Megaforce, which is mm -hmm. before this. So this is, I think, Jonathan bringing it, and that's probably it's not they ripped it off. It's Jonathan's part of it, um, and uh, well, Jonathan didn't write the song, but obviously they know the guy. Um, so I think there's a hint of that in there. I kept hearing it, so I couldn't hear anything else besides it. But it makes it work, so it doesn't matter to me. Um, but like I said, the song would be bigger 
if uh, the backing vocals would be bigger and that beginning had a little more oomph to it. But I see what they were going for. So the opening riff on the song, I'm like, oh, shit, okay, what do we got here? And then all of a sudden, the song, it turns into, like, Eddie and the Cruisers meets, like, a Bob Seger cover band. I'm like, what, what, wait, what just happened? You just had, like, this killer riff, and now it sounds like we're at Roadhouse with Swayze. Like, what, what, is, what is going on here? It, it's not a bad thing. Again, catchy chorus. But the song is, it's a little bit, it's a little, it doesn't do it for me. And I got to tell you, that chorus, when I hear that chorus, what a missed opportunity by somebody like Target to use this as a Black Friday ad, right? Can't you picture like some family, you know, rolling up and down the aisles, like throwing DVDs into their cart and you hear, get ready. The store is open at midnight and you're just hearing like friggin' Bon Jovi, get ready. Like, I'm like, what a missed opportunity. Somebody should have grabbed this song. It's a fun song, a little too much piano, you know, a little bit too much, you know, kind of Jerry Lee Lewis, great balls of fire shit going on in the background here. But um, it's it, it's OK. It's OK. A little me. bit Rolf. Is that yeah. <laughs> yes. Too much Rolf for me. Yes. Yes. Okay. Last of the trifecta there, the Get Ready, written by John Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora. The scream in the beginning surprised me that you guys mentioned it. Oh, yes, that's right. <laughs> right. Yep. Yep. This probably almost as much, or if not just as much as Burning for Love, is a 80s soundtrack in the making. Totally. I can totally picture this, the beginning of the movie, some either high school or college, like the quad opening scene, credits are going, shit in the background, somebody skateboarding by, guys are lifting weights, cheerleaders in the back. Like, I feel like the Revenge of the Nerds when they're walking in (laughs) and all the action behind them, get ready, should be playing. You know, and the credits going, if that was like the opening part of the thing. And then there's the also section at the end where he breaks it down. It's like a David Lee Roth, Van Halen, where he like slows it down. Come on, come on. Like, and he does that. And then he busts back out, very cliche. Come on, get ready. Wicked, wicked cheesy breakdown there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> well, I wouldn't call it cheesy. I like it, but I'm just saying. Oh, I like very, it too. It's very cliche ish. Oh, I um, like it too, but it's. Oh, cheesy. I like cheese. I like yeah. cheese. There's nothing wrong with that. It also was one of the other songs that they played on the 2010 Circle Tour. Yeah, so they brought this one back too. But you're right. The beginning part starts off with the guitar, and then all of a sudden you hear the Rolf with the yeah. keyboard, like your know, friggin' 50s Jerry Lee Lewis piano. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just another solid like rock song, like. How, how can I, I can't explain it. There were certain albums that we had in the eighties and metal and rock and stuff that you would have a song and you'd be like, Oh, this song fucking sucks. I cannot listen to this and skip over. For me, we just, at the end of the album, there's nothing in here that you're like, Oh, this just fucking hurts my ears. Everything is at one part in the song. There's not one song on here that there's not one part that you're like, Oh, I like that part. Oh, I like that hook. I like it. He can do that, and that's the talent that he had as a 22-year-old teaming up with Richie and the band and coming up with this album. So that's Bon Jovi's debut album. Those are the tracks. Any final thoughts after going through all this? Sonny first. As you said, there are zero unlistenable songs. There's, there's zero of those. Uh, some I like better than others. 
But if you're looking for a history lesson of what's to become, right? And I'm, and I've heard what became before I heard this. So even today, I'm listening, going, "Oh my God!" Like two years from now, dude, you're gonna sell 20 million albums. You don't even know it right now. You're like one step away, right? And um, so that's why he had it from the beginning. There's no doubt. I'm surprised this came together as fast as it did. I'm assuming he is absolutely embarrassed with those videos <laughs> and oh, wish yeah. that he would have done some slippery one wet New Jersey videos instead. But if you think about it, there's not that many great Bon Jovi videos really anyway. There's some great songs, but I don't know if there's any hot for teacher type videos out there. I like wanted dead or alive. That's, that's yeah. a good, that's a good video. Yeah. 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 Um, so for me, yeah, like I, I don't, like Sonny said, that this is one of those albums that I, I would call it. You know, they're it's it's unskippable. There are songs that I like more than others, but there's no like, okay, well, uh, oh, I got to get rid of this song. I got to get rid of this song. And the thing that the thing that about this album is, I just don't understand why it's like it's it's like Bon Jovi's like dirty little secret. Like it's like the album that like nobody talks about or nobody knows about. And how many huge bands? Think, think of about think of the music that we like. Think of the bands that we like. How many of those bands have like a dismissive debut album? Like none of them. We, the debut album, pretty much all those bands that we like is is an album that we love. And this is like, I don't know that. I don't know Bon Jovi's debut album. I, I know Slippery When Wet. I know Seventy Eight Hundred Fahrenheit. Oh, oh, the album with Runaway. Yeah, and that's all people know. And I think that's a shame because, and I I'm gonna thank Zeus here. I know you and Jimmy have raved about this album for, for a long time. Yep. And I, I mean, I found myself enjoying this and I found myself, this is an album that I will come back to and listen to, you know, no pun intended. You know, you know what I always find is, is great is when you can find an album. Okay. That you didn't know existed from an era. It's almost like someone told you, Tom, did you know there was a, Van Halen three album that came out before Fair Warning and after uh, right. Van Halen two. You're like, yeah, of that era. Here you go. Yep. You're like, what the fuck? If you like the music that we like growing up in the eighties, and you just discovered this, you'd be like, how the fuck did I not know this was existed? And you know why? It's because John, for some reason, even when Slippery When Wet came out, because I remember, because remember, this was my band. I read all his shit in Circus Magazine and all that stuff. He treated this like Paul Stanley treats a lot of his shit. Exactly. It's and almost I he's embarrassed. It. Like, I never understood it. He always shits on these. The, even 7,800 Fahrenheit. You said you read the quote earlier. He's like, oh, the first couple albums. Oh, we had a guy did time. And so therefore, you know, we didn't get become a good band. Are you shitting me? Why are you putting it down? You know, he's, emba- is, he's, emba- he's embarrassed by it. I, th- I, think he's emba- I don't fucking- know. He, he did more than that. He talked more shit about this. And obviously, I don't have the articles, but I remember always reading it. I always never understood why the fuck you always shit on these first two albums. They're, I can listen to them straight through. There's not a bad song on there. But he did it, and that's why these albums never took off. He doesn't give them any love. He doesn't put them any, like, in their tours and stuff. That's the problem. Yep. yep. And, I mean, and, and, it, and, it, and it, is, it is a different album than, than the, the, the albums that put them on the map. But like you said, we, we we bitch about Kiss doing this all the time. Don't 
shit on your material. It, it looks, first of all, it makes you look bad as an artist. It, yeah. You're discrediting the fans that like your material. Just, but, but, but for him to pretend that this album doesn't exist at all. I mean, it was nice to see that they, they started to incorporate some songs. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like, again, it's, it's not slippery when wet. It's not New Jersey. Obviously everybody knows that, but I think the album deserves much more love than it gets. Sonny. Yeah. It's the same history as Def Leppard a little bit, right? You don't listen, you don't hear about On Through the Night. True. You hear about High and Dry because it's about 50 50 about what they're about to become. All you hear about is damn pyromania. And hysteria. <laughs> and, yeah, you're and right. Hysteria. That's just you're how right. it is, right? Yeah. And I think what happens to guys like Paul and John, and I guess Joe to a certain point, is well, since this is the album that worked with our fans, those two albums must be shit. They kind of forget about you grow into that. You don't become Tom Brady from the first throw because I'm sure there was Bledsoe fans that saying that guy comes out, we're going to be screwed. Minute yep. Bledsoe went <laughs> Me, down, it's like, right oh, here. fuck, we're done. Up Me until too. they won the Super Bowl, I was sitting there, what the fuck? When, is, when are they going to put Drew in the last drive? Yep. Like, yeah. You know, like, and then Me he too. won. I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah. But, yeah. but, I, but, but you're, but I you're right. The game when Bledsoe got hurt, I'm like, oh, they're done. That's it. Yep. It's over. But Sonny, you're right. The, the the Def Leppard analogy is great. No one talks about On Through the Night. No, but like that, that is, that is a perfect analogy. It's an album that is completely forgotten and it shouldn't be forgotten. I mean, again, On Through the Night, it, it, you know, it's not high and dry. It's not pyromania. It's a good album, but nobody talks about it. Yep. Yeah. Zeus, you could say the same thing about Whitesnake, right? Before Slide It In, there's two, three albums nobody's saying crap about. Two, yep. three. There's a lot more than two, three, and he doesn't ever bring them up, yeah. ever. You know, what he does is, he goes, I know those songs are great. What I'll do is I'll do it with the hair metal version of White Snake and redo those songs. Yep. Crying in the Rain, Fool for Your Loving, Here I Go Again. You know, you know, he's just whatever. So, you know what I like about these bonus episodes? They're inadvertently turning into public service announcements. <laughs> like... <laughs> No, and I mean that sincerely. Like, like, like when I pick when I pick load, okay, that's an album. It's like ah, it's fucking garbage, Metallica. Nobody wants to listen to that. Then people listen to it, and like, oh, okay, it's not, it's not a terrible album. Bon Jovi, people, people, are like I don't know that album. And they're like, oh wait, this is a pretty good album. You know, like, like you you take we we t- even even peace of mind to that extent. There's people out there that like that don't like Iron Maiden or that people like they love Power Slave or Number the Beast. They come back, they listen to the episode, they listen to Peace of Mind. Like, it's a fucking great album. Like it's like we've inadvertently turned like and that, and that's what's what's happening. Like our group picks are you know the diamond albums, and our individual picks tend to be you know hits, but maybe not not the 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 surefire top tier hit. And I, that's what I like about these bonus episodes, especially one like this. Yeah, and uh, uh, except for uh, Soundgarden, where everyone <laughs> just goes like, "Fuck, are you playing the grunge shit?" <laughs> oh, get ready. There might be more of that coming soon. You never know. That's right. The next thing we do is we rank the songs, right? That's right. And so every week we're always like, well, who did last time? Who did last time? So I was thinking to myself, why don't we go from here on out the order of who's up? Okay. So for instance, this was my album. I'm going to go first. Tom, you go second because your album is up next. After the, after group, the group after the, one. Yep. And, and then, then Sonny. Sonny just finished. And okay. we'll just keep that up, and then we'll, we won't have to do the same shit. Just like we remind Sonny every week. Do you uh, do you have the commercial ready? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You got an intro. You got an intro ready. <laughs> Are you sure the intro is good? 
Hey, just want to make sure. That's it's us. Episode eight. <laughs> that comes after seven, Sonny. <laughs> oh, sorry. We don't get prepare our episodes 20 minutes before we start. Oh, here we go. Oh, sorry. All right. Jesus, here we go. I knew I knew that was coming. Luke, fucking jab. Fucking Zeus is bit. Zeus is getting a kick out of himself right now. Shanking somebody in the fucking prison right now. <laughs> like, an, like American Me. Ever see that movie? Oh, Pretty good God. one. Oh, God. Yes. There's <laughs> a lot of anal rape scenes in that movie, too, Tom. There's a lot of pegging going on in that movie. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Edit that out, Paul. Edit that out. Yeah. Cut that out. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. All right, so song number nine, so I get this right this time. There were nine songs on this album, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Song number 10. Um, so number nine for me, and I've got to say this because, you know, you might say, what, this, this, this. I honestly couldn't pick any of these. I love all, this whole album. I do not have a favorite. My song number nine could be my number two. Okay. Number one is number one for a reason for me, but any one of these songs are it. I don't know. I just picked it like this. I put shot through the heart as number nine. Wow. Whoa. Number nine for me is she don't know me. <laughs> Can you edit in a dial tone? I'm done. <laughs> Dude, that song bail. I, ha- I had to, if, they- if I could have put that at number 10, I would have, but there's only nine <laughs> songs. Wow. All right. My number nine was shot through the heart. Also. Oh my God. What the fuck? <laughs> How? I love the song, Tom. Wow. Go ahead. All right. Number eight for me, Burning for Love. Number eight for me is Get Ready. Number eight for me is Love Lies. Okay. Love Lice. <laughs> love um, Lice. <laughs> number seven for me, Sonny, is Love Lice. Number seven for me is Burning for Love. Wow. All right, number seven for me is come back, back, back. Oh, boy. Okay. Sonny, I'm keeping, we're nearby each other. Six for me, come back. Six for me is love lies. Six for me is get ready. Five for me, she don't know me. Oh, God. Five for me is come back. Me is breakout. Oh, what? Four for me. Get ready. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is the one I'm going to take a fucking bludgeoning for. I got number four for me is shot through the heart. Wow. I could have put it there. Okay. I couldn't have. (laughs) Go ahead. Four for me is runaway. Nice. <laughs> number three for me, breakout. That's my number three as well, breakout. For me, is she don't know me. Oh, my Lord. What? Too. Number two for me, roulette. Number two for me is runaway. Ooh. Ooh. Number two for me is Burning for Love. Dude, that thing is a deep cut. Fucking love that song. <laughs> Fucking Poonie again. Love it. Love She's it. She's a maniac. Uh, number one for me for all 
sentimental reasons run away. Number one for me is roulette. I just love number the one for me. The guitar is roulette. Is it really? Holy shit. Wow. I can't believe I agree with Pooney on the number one. Nice. So right. our top three were way ahead of everything else. Yeah. Our number three was breakout. Our number two was runaway. And our number one was roulette. Nice. Okay. That was, that, th- those are, that was my top three. Good wow. stuff. Well, so the next thing we usually get into is we go to album covers. Yep. Okay. So for album cover rankings, we are going over these albums. Appetite for Destruction, Slide It In, OU812, Super Unknown, Pyromania, Load, Peace of Mind, and now Bon Jovi. So um, for me, I'll go first. I got to admit, this is a terrible album cover, but I will not put it last. My last album cover is Load. So my albums in ranking order go Appetite for Destruction, Peace of Mind, Slide It In, Pyromania, uh, uh, Super Unknown, OU812, Bon Jovi, Load. Now, the next person up is Tom. Tom, you have ranked, your order is Peace of Mind, Appetite for Destruction, Pyromania, Slide It In, Super Unknown, Load, OU812. Yeah, it's not a very good album cover, um, but it's not as bad as OU812, and it's not as bad as Load. I'm going to put it in right after Super Unknown. Are you shitting me? Can I ask you, dude, OU812 is just picture of the band that's why right. is that so offensive it's you? not a, i'll tell you why it's offensive because it's fucking van halen <laughs> and i want to see more from them uh, the credit i'm going to give bon jovi on this is at least 1984 at least it has the attempt at like some kind of badassery it's nighttime. The street lights are on. There's a girl in the street. He's there kind of like sleeveless shirt. Like he's trying. He's not like 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 the OU812 looks like a class photo from Sears. <laughs> like it's fucking horrible. That, that I can't I, it's going to that is going to struggle to not be last. I, I don't know what album we're going to do that, where that's going to get knocked off the bottom of the barrel. Gotcha. But I'm going to but I'm going to put Bon Jovi right after Super Unknown. All right. So, we're going to move this over to Mr. Sonny Pooney. Sonny, you had peace of mind, slide it in, pyromania, appetite for destruction, super unknown, OU812, load. I'm putting this right behind appetite. There's a woman on the cover. It's yep. beaten load, OU812, and super unknown. Sorry. It's a good tiebreaker. That's a good tiebreaker. Because all those other albums have men or semen on them. Or so. fire. <laughs> yeah. The other ones have fire. And snakes. Yeah, fire. Yeah, fire. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So here comes the hard part. That's what she said. Yep. (laughs) Is she facing me or not? Oh. So album rankings. My number one ranked album is Pyromania, Appetite, Super Unknown, Slide It In, Peace of Mind, Load, OU812. 
I am going to put Bon Jovi's debut album um, right underneath Appetite. So I'm going to oh, go my. Pyromania, Appetite, Bon Jovi, Super Unknown, Slide In, Peace of Mind, Load, OU812. There's a nostalgia factor here, boys. Okay. Wow. Damn. And there's not a bad song on there for me. Okay. Which I can't say about the ones beneath it. All right. Super Unknown has a couple. Uh, Appetite does not. Pyromania does not. Okay. Cool. Slide it in does. And peace of mind. Obviously load in OU812. So let's go to Tom. Tom, your ranking is Pyromania is your number one. Appetite for Destruction. Super Unknown. Load. Slide it in. OU812. Peace of mind. Where does Bon Jovi go in? I'm putting this right behind OU812. Peace of mind is still going to stay at the bottom of the barrel, even though it's not a bad album for me. But So I'm going to yeah. put bon, bon Jovi will be second to last. And that's a tough list here. I mean, these albums are all iconic and classic for me. So second to last on this group is not bad for, for an album that I didn't really know anything about. All right. So, Sonny, slide it in. Appetite for Destruction, Pyromania, Peace of Mind, OU812, Super Unknown, Load. Where does Bon Jovi go for you? Uh, for me, again, it's going to go dead center. So I'm going to go slide it in, appetite, pyro, peace of mind, and then Bon Jovi before OU812 because of source of infection and that stupid AA political blues. Wow. So Bon Jovi doesn't have one of those songs, so Bon Jovi is going fifth in this order. Woo! Wow. So Damn. The other three albums have unlistenable songs. That's why I can't put it any lower. Okay. I can see that. So I have Bon Jovi's three. You have it as five, and and Tom has it as seven. Uh, run the gamut, right? Yep. Yeah. I, I've, so that's this album. I think this album will grow on you, Tom. You'll find that you'll go to it. I, I listen to it now. I like I, yeah. I I listen to it routinely. Like I went I went for a run the other day, and I I play the album on shuffle. I I do I I enjoy it. I definitely enjoy it. So albums like Peace of Mind and Load that are unknown to me, mm-hmm. songs come up on my shuffle. I listen to them straight through now. Yep. I love it. Yep. I, I got get into it. I love these album reviews. Uh, again, Bon Jovi, I knew this album as good as anything I've ever listened to. Yeah. Um, and it's, again, my one of my first albums ever. And I probably listened to it as much, if not the most album I've ever listened to. Yeah. So it's, it's easy to kind of know it. Uh, inside cool. out, but nice. these other ones are great. So we're not going to get into what we're going to do next time. So we're going to skip that stuff over, and we're going to go into, you know, our favorite part of the episode. That's right. You make me rock hard. Oh, God. Um, let's continue on this thread uh, of going. Um, this time, let's start with, uh, I think we usually we go with Sonny, then Tom, then me. So, Sonny, go ahead. All right. So, my rock hard, uh, because we did peace of mind on the last uh, bonus episode, I'm like, you know what? I don't have a lot of Iron Maiden art in here. So 
I go on a search for Derek Riggs, who is uh, the guy who drew most of that stuff, and come to find out he has a website. It's DerekRiggs.com, D-E-R-E-K-R-I-G-G-S.com. And he put out a book in 2014 with friend of the show, Martin Popoff's help, that's called Run for Cover, The Art of Derek Riggs. And this art book comes with like photographic type paper, right? It's that thick and it's unbelievable colors and drawings, et cetera. And Derek will sign the book to you. He has prints available you can buy from the book, um, which is all cool. I did some of that stuff. But then the other thing I did was I bought a second book and cut it up and posted some of those iconic pictures that I have all over my room. Um, So that's not something I do often, but I have one sign that's completely uh, put away and, and looks great and, and uh, signed by him. And it's awesome. And then I got one that's all torn up because like a little kid, when I was 10 years old, I start cutting stuff out of magazines, did the same thing, cut out a bunch of five by sevens and eight by tens and got them all over the room. So is that um, the one I see behind you right there? Number of the beast and peace of mind to what would be our right. I see the covers right there, buddy. It is over your other shoulder. On my other shoulder. Oh, your yeah, left. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah. Um, so if you, if you, let's see, do you see that more now? It's got yeah, all those. I mean, it's too. awesome. It looks awesome. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Very it's, cool. It, and I love it when it's on photo paper yeah. because it feels like a thick poster kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it looks great in a frame. So cool. Awesome. Excellent. So for me, so I usually take this opportunity to talk about something in the <clears throat> in the music world or in the movie slash horror field because that's my thing. So there, so anybody out there that has Hulu, if you subscribe to Hulu, whether it's the you know the the, the regular Hulu or the live TV, <clears throat> about two years ago, Hulu went into an agreement with Blumhouse Productions. Blumhouse Productions is the big um, horror company they're responsible for the paranormal activity series insidious get out sinister the purge movies they they did the the new halloween that came out in 2018 they did this they do this series called into the dark and they're movies that come out every month on hulu and every movie is themed after um a holiday or something that goes on during that month some of them are amazing some of them are eh and they're all pretty easily digestible. They're about 90 minutes. And they're pretty good. Even if you're not a real diehard horror fan, they're pretty good. The brand new one that just came out for the month of July, I've watched them all, is by far the best one. Even if you're not a horror movie fan, you have to check this out because the plot of it is something that gives me nightmares. And it's it's a really creative plot. It's called Current Occupant. And the movie is about a guy who wakes up in a psych ward. And the plot of the movie is, did this guy wake up in a psych ward and think he's the president of the United States? Or did the president of the United States wake up in a psych ward? So you're watching the entire movie and you literally don't know the answer to that question until the very last scene of the movie. For 90 minutes, you are taken on such a a, a ride where you're like, Oh, the guy's clearly crazy. You know, he's not the president. And then you're like, wait a minute, is he the president? And it's just so well written and so well developed and so well acted. Um, like when it was over, I was just like, holy shit. 
It's called Current Occupant. Um, and if you're into that kind of stuff, check it out. And if you're really into it, check out their, the whole Into the Dark library. There's a whole section on Hulu called Into the Dark. Um, some of them are really, really cool, especially their Christmas episodes are really interesting. So cool stuff if you're a thriller horror fan on Hulu. Zeus. Yeah. So what you just described before I get into mine. Yeah. Um, that was a plot, and I just looked it up, season oh. six of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay, cool. All right. So here's the here's the thing. Obviously, you know, I've told you a million times, I'm a big uh, Buffy, yep. basically Sarah Michelle Gellar yeah. uh, fan. So, you know, Buffy kills vampires and this and that. And the premise of the that specific episode is she's in a psych ward, and because her family's broken up, and they're telling her, you know, this isn't real. You're the same cheerleader in the California school. You are the parents are getting a divorce. You're going through a tough time and you've coped with this imaginary life and you're in a psych ward. This isn't real. But mm-hmm. in the real world, they're like, no, you got stung by this foreign alien monster and they're making you think this. You need to come back to reality. Your friends need you and we need yep. to kill these monsters. This is reality. Yep. And at the end, they like they leave it as though, no, we lost her. Like in the psych ward, we lost her. So like, she told her parents. I'm sorry, and went back to the friends. So did they lose her? Has it all been like all fucked up, or is it like that? Anyways, it just made me think about it. It's pretty cool. Yeah. And this is why people laugh sometimes, but that show, because it was Joss Whedon, yes. is so well written. And yep. it's not just, hey, look at all the hot chicks walk around in cheerleader outfits and killing vampires. But anyway. And, and one my, and real quick, what, and one, of my, one of my biggest fears, and I've seen a couple movies like this, there is nothing more terrifying for me in a movie than seeing somebody like in a psych war that doesn't belong there and no one's listening to you because they think you're crazy. It, like it just, it, 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 it makes me, it makes me so nervous because I can't imagine being in that situation. We're like, I don't belong here. And they're like, take your medication. You'll be okay. And then they give you like electroshock therapy. I'm like, Oh fuck. I can't stand this. It just makes- it's too real. It can happen to you. That's what I'm, it could, it could, and which, which, which is the proven method that'll work. Play along, play like you're crazy and you need help or fight, fight the or, system. Yep. That's right. Yep. And you never really know which one's the better one. Right? Exactly. But go ahead, Zeus. Like a stanza holding his pants up. He's his belt back. <laughs> <laughs> that woman stole $20 from me. My wallet's gone. My wallet's gone. Oh, man. Um, my thing is a TV show on AMC, and it was called The Terra. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you guys have ever seen this. I've heard of it. So The Terra was originally the first season. It was about one of the actual ships. So the first season was a. Was, there are all. There's two seasons. The first season, both both separate. They're all historical things, historical facts you can see about, and there's great actors in them. And the first one was about the English Royal Navy's uh, Sir John Franklin's expedition to try to get the Northern Passage through Canada to go in from England to go to the North Way to get to like uh, like uh, China and all that other places. So that expedition in history got lost. There's some scientific evidence. There were some messages they found as they were trying to survive getting stuck in the Arctic snow. Well, they've taken that story. And added some supernatural shit to it, horror stuff, 
It is so well acted, so well done. There's so many parts, and there's nothing better than watching a show like that and be like, God damn it, this is what I would have done. Why the fuck are you doing this? And, you know, just like when you see in Breaking Bad, like, what the fuck? Things are finally good. Like, stop fucking with things. Like, you'll see this show. I was watching, it was a little bit slow in the beginning. I love the historical aspect of it. They've got the actor, I don't know if you ever saw Chernobyl. That's a fucking another mm-hmm. great HBO show. Yep. But it, Jared Harris, that guy was in, is in this. And that guy, Ciaran Hins, I can't even say his name right. He was in uh, Game of Thrones. Awesome actor, too. If you see the actors, you'll recognize them. It is so well acted, so well done. By the time you're on episode seven, you're like, I have to have enough time to watch the next three episodes. I can't not know what's going to end up happening. It gets that addictive. It was awesome. So very cool. I had taped this because it looked interesting. Never seen it until recently. It's sitting on my DVR. I went through it. I loved it. So I started watching season two. I'm halfway through the last episode of season two. Season two is about, um, and you would like this, Tommy, because it's about the Japanese supernatural ghosts and spirits that go into people. And it takes Mm. place in World War II in the uh, Japanese internment camp. So you see the history of this? You watch this and you're like, this can't happen in our fucking country. It did. Like you feel helpless. Like, dude, these people are American citizens. What the fuck are you doing? It is so it's so fascinating the historical aspect and then the japanese culture of a spirit in the ghost and taking over bodies and possessing people incredible both 10 episodes two seasons i don't know if they're gonna do a season three fantastic show cool i got i got two friends at work that rave about that show and it's it's, i have yet to catch up on it but maybe now that you've talked about it it'll remind me to to check it out because i've heard it's really good nice after hearing all this if the three of us ever have to go to a movie together, we're never going to agree on what movie we're going to. Sure we will. I like everything. I I'm, not, I'm not just a horror movie fan. I love everything. I'll see uh, it all. I don't know about all that. <laughs> this, oh, is coming you... from, this is coming from the guy who watched Assault on Wall Street with his wife <laughs> last month. Movie. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like history, you don't like like suspenseful like horror type shit, it ain't for you. I yeah. love that stuff. I love. I it. love history and I love suspense. I don't need to turn to horror though. That's where I kind of draw my line. It's okay. yeah, but it's not horror in the sense somebody comes out and with a fucking axe and starts cutting people up. It's like it's thriller stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and there's supernatural shit. There's something going on. It's yep. always like the spooky. Like what the fuck is really going on here? Cool. I would give it a chance, and you'll believe me. You'll really like it. So. We're at the end here. Sonny, where can we people find you? Uh, growinguprock.com. We uh, just had our third anniversary. We're into our fourth year. And uh, PRC, Podcast Rock City, all his podcast. Uh, we are coming close to our 300th episode. So wow. look out for that. Nice. Cool. Tom, what about us? Are we around somewhere? We're around somewhere. Yeah, we are on uh, all the social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, our email. You can reach out to us at any time. Shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. We'll respond. We'll read it on the air. We might do one or the other or both. Please reach out to us on any of those platforms. Um, Our podcast, we're an all kiss podcast. If you're hearing this bonus episode for the first time, we do these once a month. But we are a weekly kiss podcast with new episodes on Saturdays. 
part of the Pantheon podcast group and we're on all the major platforms. Um, and if you're interested in some cool shout it out loud cast gear or kiss related gear, you check out our buddy Ed from click T shop, click with a K. He's got awesome kiss inspired stuff as well as uh shout it out loud cast stuff. Sonny, I don't know if is I think he's selling podcast Rock City stuff now too. I might be correct. So check him out. He sells KISS stuff and podcast related stuff, not just us. Um, and Ed's a friend of the show, so he's a good guy. So check him out and give him your business. Absolutely. Um, and again, if you can, five star child reviews. We get them on podchaser.com. Star. Uh, iTunes, all those things help us tremendously, helps people find us. We appreciate when you do give us them, and we obviously read them on the air. So thank you for that. And keep the emails, the direct messages, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram coming. The email again, shout it out loudcast at gmail.com. Be on the lookout. We're going to probably have a live stream coming up very shortly. Uh, probably be the, most likely the three of us and a couple other friendly guests. And uh, please let us know what you think. We love the feedback, so keep them coming. Now, finally, we get to our favorite part, um, and that is well, some people's favorite part. Uh, famous last words, Sonny. You look sharp in your dancing shoes. You got style. You got the moves. Oh, you're so hot, girl, and on the loose. <laughs> God. So my lyric is from my favorite song on the album, and it's got some little, a little kiss inspiration. I don't know if this is subliminal or what, but bet the black comes in red. Crimes of passion rule my head. I need you. You want him dressed to kill. We live in sin. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is John Bon Jovi <laughs> from Bon Jovi. <laughs> you started it. All right, here we go. Promises made in the heat of the night. Whoa. Oh, oh, those words were broken under bedroom lights. Whoa, oh, oh, your lips, they burn. Your body calls my name. Whoa, oh, oh, I can feel the fire, but it's all in vain. Whoa, oh, oh. What a way to sign off. <laughs> Beautiful. Tommy, Sonny, Kiss Army, shout it out loud, casters, the whole gang. Thank you very much. Thank you, Sonny, for joining us as always. Always a blast. Um, Zeus, thank you for picking this album. Shout it out loud, cast, Bon Jovi fans. Hope you had a good time with this. I know we sure did. Thank you. Always a good time. Always. Uh, it is a group pick next time. Until then, peace out, Girl Scout.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.